to CFRN, the Christian Financial Radio Network. Good afternoon, traders, and welcome back to the CFRN E-Mini Futures Cast. This is the daily broadcast of Indeterminate Length, where we discuss all things E-Mini, along with some really big ideas on the finer points of trading gold, bonds, crude, sugar, the euro. Joining us today, Mr. Michael Borg. From our trading desk in Chicago, Mr. Burton Schlichter. Now, to get things started, let's go to our host and founder in Studio A, overlooking South Mountain, America's largest city park. Here's Dwayne. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back. Today is Friday, 5th day of March, 2021. Thanks so much for joining us. Whoever you are, wherever you are, we're just glad to have you right here, right now. If you can't see the screen I have up, go to our homepage at cfrn.net. On the right-hand side of the page, click the big microphone, follow the instructions. You'll be registered in about 30 seconds, and that will give you one-click access to the show each and every day. It also gives you access to the chat box so that you can ask questions and participate in the discussion. But wait, there's more. You'll get an email each and every day, right before the show starts, reminding you the show's about to start. And in that email will be a link that you click for your one-click access. Now, there's gonna be days you're out of the office, away from your desktop, laying on a beach in Cancun, point any internet-connected browser from anywhere on planet Earth to cfrn.net slash live, and there you'll find a live, real-time simulcast of the show as it unfolds. You just won't have access to the chat box. We also stream live each day during this broadcast at youtube.com slash CFRN. We archive each and every daily show. There are currently over 1,600 daily shows archived on our YouTube channel. Now, if you happen to be listening to this broadcast after the fact, and maybe you're listening to a podcast version on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever pods are cast, if you are not driving or operating heavy machinery, and you want to be able to see the charts and everything that we talk about during the broadcast today, hit pause on your podcast player and point your browser to youtube.com slash CFRN. Find the corresponding date of the show you were just listening to on your pod player. Click play on the YouTube channel and then you'll have the benefit of both audio and video. You'll be able to see everything we talk about. And while you're there on the YouTube channel, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Then you'll be notified 
every time we go live. Okay, with all that said, now let's open today's broadcast with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings, for your mercy, and for your grace. We place our work and ourselves into your hands. We pray, God, that you would anoint our creativity, our ideas, our energy, so that even the smallest task may bring you honor. God, when we are challenged, guide us. When we are weary, energize us. May the work that we do and the way that we do it bring hope, life, and courage to all with whom we minister to during this broadcast and in the course of our everyday business affairs. I pray, God, that you would bless our administration team with wisdom and discernment and all of our members and every person in our audience with commitment and compassion, courage, and strength. Rooted in your love, may your face illuminate everything we do and everything we do is in your name. It is in the name of Jesus that we believe and pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Happy Friday, guys. The end of the week. Been quite a week, too. Let me give you the numbers from around the world. These are the cash markets or the indices, as they're called. Once I do that, Michael will pop in. He'll give us a recap of everything that happened this morning in the live training room. To all of you that were part of the open house, it was good to see you out this morning. Okay, starting here in the U.S., I'm going to refresh this one more time. There we go. The Dow currently up 59 points. NASDAQ down 142. S&P 500 down 3. And the Russell 2000 down 35. Movers and shakers are the NQ, the NASDAQ, down a little over 1%. And the Russell 2000, our man in the street, down a little over 1.5%. In the commodity basket, crude oil up $2.05, trading $65.88 last. That's a gain of a little over 3%. Uh, yesterday, I think we had a gain of about 5%. Gold down $6.30, trading $16.94.40 last. Silver down $0.50, cents, trading 24.95 last. That's a drop of almost 2%. Now, for those who aren't familiar with silver, <clears throat> if you hold a one ounce silver coin and the price of silver goes from $25 to $26, you make a buck. If price goes from $26 to $25, you lose a buck. Easy to understand. With a futures contract, it's a little bit different. If you hold a large futures contract on silver and the price of silver goes from $25 to $26, that's worth $5,000 per contract traded. Of course, the pendulum swings both ways. Silver is volatile. 
margins are high so be careful out there but again today silver is down 50 cents trading 24.95 last so if you're holding a futures contract and you're long you got about a $2,500 drawdown if you haven't already exited the position and if you're short silver you could potentially be up $2,500 depending upon of course your entry we are extremely bullish on metals even though they've been a little beaten down here of late now I was looking for $50 silver in the month of March March isn't over yet it just got started so this dip back below $25 will it be the last opportunity we have to be long silver at 25 bucks I can't answer that question because I don't know the future Here's a little secret nobody else does either now lots of folks try to convince you that they do know the future that they've got some kind of algorithm or whatever that predicts the future with certainty hmm, I'm sorry that defies the laws of physics science and God when God created man he did not give Adam the ability to change the past or know the future and those two things are inextricably linked for eternity so I don't care how clever the ad copy is on that website or that email you got. Man does not have the ability to know the future with certainty. The good news is with our simple methodology, strategy, and very simple indicators, we do know with certainty what the next high probability move is on every market, on every time frame. Everything we do, everything we teach, is fluid across all markets and all time frames. Price flows on a daily chart the same way it flows on a one-minute chart. From support to resistance, back to support, back to resistance, back to support, never-ending cycle. Crude oil, S&P, and pork bellies. Price flows the same. People will tell you it's not possible to trade all the different markets the same way because they got different personalities and I'm sure they do but we're not looking for a relationship we're looking for a high probability low risk trade setup and when it comes to the futures markets okay they're what are called auction style markets in other words you've got buyers on the bid sellers on the ask price channeling back and forth back and forth in a never-ending cycle now futures do close every afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern that signals the end of the week but Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern the new week will start and I'll go over today in this show with you exactly what we did last Sunday night because I think you might want to be here this coming Sunday night when the markets open at 6 p.m. Eastern because I think we're gonna have so pretty interesting trading now in the Asian markets today at the close Nikkei down 65 Shanghai down one and a half Hang Seng down 138 points no movers no shakers in the European markets at the close FTSE down 20 that's down 135 that's just shy of 1% the CAC down 48 that also just shy of 1%. Now that gives us a red day in Asia. It gives us a red day 
in the UK. And it's a mixed Radio Friday here in the US of A with three of the major indices, NASDAQ, S&P, and Russell, firmly in the red. But the Dow, the outlier, up 43 points. So throughout the course of this broadcast today, we'll probably figure out who's leading the way, okay? Did the Dow suddenly get some input that sent it into positive territory while the others lag? Or is the Dow simply an outlier and we'll see it get on the red side of the street along with the other indices? We'll keep you posted. Now, Michael, I don't know if you're out there and ready yet, but if you are, I'm here. you can grab yep. the charts. Okay, guys, okay. Michael's going to take the charts. He's going to give you a recap of what happened in the room. After that, I'll be back. We'll go over the concierge alerts, the logic alerts for the whole week. We'll cover everything, soup the nuts, all that, and answers to your questions. I might even send out a message to Garrett and see what he's up to and he might just join us later in the show. Okay, Michael, I can see your charts, so you're locked and loaded. Excellent. Okay, here we go. Um, let me bring this up for everyone. Oh, what the heck was it? No, I'll just use this one. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is Friday, the fifth day of March, 2021. Happy birthday, Dad. Um, Let's see. If you have not taken a free trial with us and you want to take a free trial, go to the homepage at cfrn.net. On the homepage, scroll down to where it says free five-day trial, no credit card required. Click on that. You'll be brought to this page, emilytrainingschool.com. On this page, all that we ask for is your name, your email, and your phone number. You can tell us the biggest trading challenge so we can tailor one-on-one training just for you. Hit the send button, you'll be sent a confirmation link. You must click on that confirmation link. Okay, if you don't click that link, we don't know that you took the free trial. Okay, so make sure you click that link. All right, all right. Now, the recap. The markets were pretty wild again today. We kind of expected them to be. Um, and, you know, the, the markets pretty much did what we expected from Monday all week. We expected, you know, a big downturn um, toward the end of the week. Anyway, if you're going to read the spreadsheet, you could read all the CFTC risk disclosures down at the bottom. Today is the 5th day of March, 2021. Uh, today, we ended up break even on crude. Uh, we made 88 ticks on gold and 25 ticks on the ES. We're up 1192 bucks per contract in the two-hour session this morning. Uh, today, it took one minute and one trade to get to the goal for the day. At that point, we're up $100 a contract, and we took a total of 23 trades. So on the month, now we're up $6,482. That's over five trading days, averaging $1,296 per contract per two-hour trading day. Um, we've now gone 18 consecutive days of getting our goal, and 42 out of 43 on the year so far. All right, so on the year now, we're at $37,967 per contract. That's over 43 trading days, averaging $882 per contract per two-hour trading day. Okay. Now, let's put all that away, and we'll jump in here. Now, most of our trades were on gold today. 
Um, the ES, we didn't have that many trades, but the ES was really wild. It gave a lot of trade setups today. So I'll go into the trades that we did and some of the trade setups that happened. But today was an open house, so I was doing a lot of um, a lot of talking and not as much trading as I usually do. Um, so on the ES, let's get to the beginning here. Okay. Well, here's the open. Okay, the ES opened up and it dropped. It started dropping all the way down here. I have this here, but I don't know if it's an actual weekly trading zone. I don't think that it is. Um, let me bump to a five minute for a second. Um, yeah, I guess this is, well, right here is a weekly trading zone. Okay, this is a zone, this is a zone. And wherever I was there, yeah, this is a zone right here. Okay, but at the open, it was 9.30, so it was right in here. Um, anyway, we'll get back there. I'm not going to do this again. Sorry about that. Put you through all this one more time. I'll make up for it. All right. So there were a bunch of, well, I'm, I'm not going to say there was a bunch of opportunity. There was a bunch of movement. Okay. And if you got into it, you had to be really quick, like a short trade right here. Um, this would have been a bounce down off the BBC. You would have had to take profit right away because it bounced right back up before it went right back down. So you would have gotten in right here, bumped your stop to the minimum break even, probably locking in some profit, hopefully right there, anticipating that it was gonna get down here to this level, which is a weekly trading zone. Then it turned around off the zone, came back up, gave a long opportunity right there, um, turned around again, got all choppy in here. Um, then it started moving down. Now down in here, we had to break this dynamic support, which we did, we had a short there and a short there and one more short right in here now this one would have been break even those others would have been profitable um it kind of spun around but not really um the first trade we had on the yes was right in here we picked up eight ticks on this this looks like a lot more than eight right here 67 70 I, we picked up eight ticks on the first trade um we had a break even trade I'm, I'm sorry we missed a trade right there but that went right up into that level which is the zone and and then there was another long trade here and one more right here and one more right there on this leg up and it got choppy again you see we're only at 10 o'clock here so it's got so much movement it was bouncing all over the place and i was focusing on other markets um so i was missing all this in here because it was an open house i was doing a lot more talking than i normally do talking talking <laughs> um Anyway, we had a break-even trade right in there. You can see there was some good profit in that, but it ended up with a break-even because I was describing what was going on. Um, we had an opportunity here and here. This would have been profitable. This would have been a break-even. An opportunity here and here. Now, these right here are the opportunities you want to get where the MA1 is screaming straight down. It pulls back, and it doesn't even pull back deep enough to get on the other side of the MA1. It gives you a down-close. Now, that down-close is below this trend line right here. It's below that trend line right there. The MA1 is going down and the cycle is going down. And you have this nice separation right here. That is a very high probability trade. And yet you go for the day in just a couple of seconds in a trade like that. I think it was, what, three seconds? 51, well, down to here it was six seconds. From here to here it was six seconds. And 
that was 71 down to 76. So you got twice your goal right there. And it was followed up by another one right here where you could get your goal again and been done for the day right there. Um, there was another one here. You could have done the same thing. Well, not as fast, but still could have gotten your goal. Okay. So the ES was just bouncing all over the place today. It did have really choppy periods, and I was trying to let you know when those periods of choppiness came. A lot of times these periods right here, these things were really fast. You see, like 1031 to 1032, all these bars were in one minute. And from 1032 over to 1033, all one minute. Okay, so the markets are moving really fast this morning. And so I didn't place that many trades on the ES because of that. I was sticking with other markets that you could see a little easier. Um, uh, Ryan asks, oh, what do I think about the idea of increasing the tick range four to eight when the market is moving wild? I, you know, that's fine. You can do that, Ryan. The only thing you have to look at is increasing the risk as well. Okay. The only thing that changes when you increase um, the time frame is the risk management or the risk. You know, right now it's two bar lengths. So that's eight ticks two bar lengths. So if you go to an eight tick range, two bar lengths would be 16 ticks of risk. Okay. Now I think it's a good idea, but, um, you know, either way you're trying to get your goal for the day, right? And if you can get your goal for the day in a four tick range, great. If you want to bump to an eight tick range to get it, great. But still remember what your goal for the day is. Okay. Um, so there were a couple more trades in here that you could have gotten into. Um, then it spun around. You could have gotten a couple more on the long side here. There's one there that would have been a break-even trade. Um, came all the way back over here. Give a little bit of a long off the BBC right there. Then all this happened really quickly. Um, yeah, all this happened really quickly. And then it got choppy. And we got toward the end of the session in here. I mean, at this point, on the ES, I hadn't had many trades. And then I think I realized that. And so I started to take more trades. We had to break even there. Then we had um, another eight ticks here to put us at plus 16. Another four ticks there to put us at plus 20. Another five ticks there to put us at plus 25. And then right here at the end of the session, you know, I had already ended the session for the morning while I was still talking to people, but we had some really nice trades coming up right here. You know, we had a long there. We had a long there. Um, there was a long up here. And... I didn't count those toward the room, but they all happened. And, you know, they're all real trades, every one of those trades. And so during the break, there was a bunch of movement and a bunch of opportunity in here. Okay. And you can see the yes was just wild today. And it still is. It still is. See this right here? Where could you trade that? Well, the first trade that you could do would have been right here, then right there. And it's coming up with another one right now. Now on the upside, I see it getting up to 3780 right now, 3780. And you know, all that stuff that I do where I'm drawing lines and I'm, I'm telling you where I think things are going to go. You know, I was doing that this morning when I could on the ES, I was doing it. Like I was thinking it was going to get down here and it did. And I was thinking it was going to get there and it did. And, um, you know, I did it more on gold than I did anywhere else. Um, Al, you don't necessarily have to have much in the slingshot 
for a momentum trade. The question is, uh, for a momentum trade, do you always look for separation in the slingshot? Um, it could be like this right here. Okay, something like that. Or just a little bit like this kind of separation. Okay, this wouldn't be enough right here. But you know, let me find a let me find a momentum trade and and I will show you. Now, right in here with this have been a momentum trade on that was actually a bounce off the BBC. Um, right in here. See this right here would have been a momentum short. So you still have to have some separation, but it doesn't have to be a lot. See right here? We'd have just a little bit of separation down there. But the whole, the whole idea behind the momentum trade is it doesn't have a very deep pullback because it's got so much momentum going in the direction that you want to trade. So you're not going to have a, a, big, a big movement there on the, uh, with the green line. Okay. okay. And they're putting the brick up on the outside of that house now. <laughs> and I got to, I'll text you the phone number. Okay. Um, all right. So moving over to crude oil now. See, I drew a whole bunch of lines here on crude because crude wasn't jumping around crazy like the ES was. Um, so our first trade on crude was right in here. We had a break even on that. Now I was looking for crude to get up here or, well, first I was looking for crude to get up here. Actually, first I was looking for it to get up here, then up here, then up here. And the downside was right here in the beginning. All right, so we took a break even in there, and then it got kind of choppy, and we didn't really have any good trade setups. And so we waited, and then there was finally a trade setup here where we had broken the swing high right there, and we're going up down here. So there was a, a trade right here that I think one of our guys got from right here at 65.90. Joe, I think, got it um, from 65.90, and it went up, and it hit this level, and it hit the next level, well, almost. And then it came all the way back down. And... On the downside here, on our first trade on crude, we picked up five ticks. That's our second trade, but still we picked up five ticks. Then we had a break even here. And we missed a couple of shorts in here that could have been profitable. And then we stopped out pretty much to the tick on this one to put us at minus three. And then we picked up plus three right here to get us back to break even on the crude day. Um, again, during the break, there are some trade opportunities on the long side here. And so that was crude. Now gold is where we had the majority of the trading today. Gold again was pretty wild. Um, let me get back to the beginning here. Now we started actually, I started a little bit early this morning. I wanted to make sure that everything was working right. And so I was drawing the trend lines in here this morning. I was drawing you know, the areas that I expected it to get to this morning. And that was the upside. This was the downside. And we got to the downside pretty quickly once the markets opened up. And this was our first trade. So we got our first trade within the first minute. And we took the goal for the day on that one. Then it came up, hit the level we were expecting. And then it came back down, didn't give us a long opportunity. Kept going down and came back up and it was you know, kind of choppy in here. So there were no trade setups. And then it got down to this level, which we anticipated. And then the next level, which we anticipated. And you see, when I draw these levels, the beginning of the line is where I realized it or where I saw it. I saw it was a possible area that we could get to. No, any one of these areas is a possible area we could get to, but this is a more likely area. And so I drew the line in, you know, and then you just wait and wait for the trade setups to come to you. Like this one down here, I saw right here 
that it was probably going to get down to this level. There was a shorting opportunity here to get into it, and then there was a second one right here to get into it. And we took uh, 11 ticks on this one to get to plus 21. I guess the first trade was here, plus 10. The second trade was 11 to plus 21. Um, this one was 7 to plus 28. This one was 10 to plus 38. This one was 12 to plus 50. Then we had a small one that was 2 to plus 52. I think this was the plus 2. This was a break even. I think this was a plus 2. Then we had um, a bigger one to plus 10 to get us to 62. Then a smaller one that was a plus 2 to get us to 64. Then 13 ticks there to get us to 77. And we had a couple of trades here that we missed. We had a break-even trade right in there. I think there's another trade that we had in here somewhere. That was a plus 6 to get us to plus 83. Um, then we had this to get us to plus 90. Then, now this might have been the 6, and this might have been the 7. So a 6 to get us to 83, a 7 to get us to 90. Then a stop out to put us back down to 82. And then another six to get us to plus 88. All right, and then that was pretty much it on gold for us. But there was another long opportunity right there as we were shutting down for the morning session. Um, another shorting opportunity here during the break. And then you know, right in here, there was a bunch of stuff during the break. Okay, so there was a lot of opportunity today in all the markets. They were pretty wild, so you really had to be on top of your game. Um, if you got in there early, you know, like I was joking because I was in there in the pre-market today and I said, hey, can I quit after I get my goal for the day? And I got my goal in like 38 seconds. And I said, there, I'm done. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Um, all right, back to the spreadsheet. If you're going to read the spreadsheet, you can read all the CFTC risk disclosures down at the bottom. Today is the fifth day of March 2021. We ended up break even on crude. We we're plus 88 on gold and plus 25 on the ES. Put us at 11.92 and a half on the morning session. Uh, today, it took one minute and one trade to get to the goal for the day. At that point, we're up $100 a contract and we took a total of 23 trades. So on the month now, we're at $6,482. That's over five trading days, averaging $1,296 per contract per trading day. We have now gone 42 out of 43 days this year of getting our goal. And on the year now, we're at $37,967. That's over 43 trading days, averaging $882 per contract per two-hour trading day. Um, let me just go through this list of people in here really quick and see. Okay. All right. So that's where we stand on the spreadsheet and on the year and on the day and on the month and all that stuff. Now. If you have not, here it is. If you have not taken a free trial with us and you want to take a free trial with us, go to the homepage at CFRN.net. Right here it says free five-day trial, no credit card required. Click on that. You'll be brought to this page, emailtrainingschool.com. On this page, all you need to do is give us your name, your email, your phone number. You can tell us your biggest trading challenge so we can tailor one-on-one -on -one training just for you. Hit the send button, you'll be sent a confirmation link. You must click on that confirmation link. Okay, if you don't click the link, we don't know that you took the free trial. So you got to make sure to click on that link. Okay. Okay.
All right, and with that, we can pass it back out to fabulous Phoenix, Arizona. Studio A, overlooking South Mountain, America's largest city park. Dwayne, if you are ready. I'm ready. Thanks. All right, guys, Garrett is going to join us uh, about 1.15 Eastern. So, recap of the recap. Today, it took one minute and one trade to get to $100 a contract. Good job. Thank you. Okay, now those of you that were in the live training room this morning, that's what we do every day, for two hours a day. Michael teaches you the methodology, the strategy, how to read the indicators, the underlying principles, everything. When you become a passport holder, which is the only thing we offer, you have access to the room every day. It's a lifetime membership. Okay. And it includes the live training room, the group training, private mentoring, individual one-on-one -on -one mentoring. We use the GoToMeeting platform. And so in the morning, there's a room full of people with Michael teaching. And in a one-on-one -on -one mentoring session, it's just me and you, or you and Michael, or you and Valerie, or you and Bert, you know, whoever it is that you want to have a mentoring session with. And so the passport comes with it is lifetime membership. It comes with unlimited one-on-one -on -one mentoring. When you need help, it's there. It includes our strategy. We teach it to you. It's very simple. You own the indicators for life and you get the alerts, the Logic 247 alerts around the clock, 24-7, from Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, or Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern, you also get the concierge trade alerts. Now the logic alerts, the ones that come out around the clock, those are based on current price action. The concierge alerts, which are posted once per session right after the Globex open, those are based on historic price action. So far this week with logic 247, we're in week 135 since we launched logic 247. We've issued a total of 96 alerts, 16 never triggered. We're not waiting on anything at the moment. We're all caught up. That's kind of a rarity, but we're all caught up. So this week we had 80 actionable alerts. Now the stop loss that we use in the room is eight ticks. When Michael is teaching you the methodology and the strategy, he's teaching you that you must always have a hard stop in place. So to keep it simple, we use an ATIC hard stop on everything, on every market, on every trade. With the alerts, the stop loss is $300 or less per contract per trade. We don't want to risk more than $300 per contract per trade, but we want to risk less when possible. And we do that by using market structure and a very simple three-step process that I teach every one of our family members, every one of our passport holders. In fact, the first one-on-one -on -one mentoring session that you and I have will be me teaching you that three-step process. So again, 96 alerts since Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, 16 simply never triggered, nine stopped out based on not risking more than 
$300 per contract per trade. That's 11% of the actionable. An average week is 20% get stopped out. So this has been a better than average week. And, you know, the week's not over. Uh, might I still put more alerts out this afternoon? It's certainly possible. Now, that's a recap of the alerts. The actual alerts themselves look like this. And we'll start at the bottom. Uh, here's an alert on the Russell. Now this is alert number 6,747. And you heard me right. Since we launched the service 135 weeks ago, we've issued 6,747 alerts. Every one of them is a trend trade as defined by our indicators on a 30-minute chart. So S is sell or get short, 2118. The initial target is always $100 per contract per trade, except the NQ, because of its volatility, the initial target on the NQ alerts is $200. And so on a short, you've got an initial target, target number one, and then you've got potential support here at 2114, that's target number two, and then potential support at 2099, that's target number three, and then the final trade two target. On a short, it's always the weekly trading zone below. On a long, it's the weekly trading zone above. And our lowest weekly trading zone this week for the Russell is 1998-99. And so this alert came out this morning and we're going to go to the charts in just a second and I'll show you them so I want to make sure you understand how to read them now when Valerie comes through to do the recap she notes what the current swing high or swing low is when she does the recap now it may very well keep going okay it's just a point of reference so alert number 6747 the contract that we're discussing this would be current Russell contract, SSL, T's initial target, PS is potential support, second target, third target, final trade two target. We also this morning had a short on the Dow, short on the S&P, which made it to its, in fact, we were, I took over the charts for a few minutes this morning while Michael took a break in the live training room and we watched this one. The entry was 37.53. The initial target was 37.51. Second target was 37.48. Third target was 37.43. The fourth and final target was the weekly zone at 37.35 slash 36. So that's 18 points. I think I determined earlier, but I've stopped doing public math. So I'm just going to ask my phone, 37.53 minus 37.36, 17 points at $50 a point is $850 per contract traded. So if you traded this alert from the entry to the final trade to target, $850 Per contract traded so if you've earned the right to trade two contracts then it's seventeen hundred dollars 
if you've earned the right to trade 10 contracts, it's eight grand, okay? And yeah, I said the passport only costs five grand. It's a true story, okay? Now, if trading were easy, everybody would do it. Trading's not easy, but it can be simple. You know what makes trading so difficult? All the garbage and nonsense people push on you. All these solutions to solve problems that don't even really exist. I mean, let's face it. Price can do one of three things. It can go up, it can go down, or it can go sideways. Why do we have to make it any more complicated than that? Good news is, we don't. Now, if all the vendors out there selling all that trading stuff, if they were to just tell you the truth, like we do, they wouldn't be able to sell you any more trading stuff. The upsells are endless. You know it, I don't have to tell you. Our passport, there's no upsell. It includes everything we do, everything we've ever done, and anything we might do in the future. It's true lifetime membership. Why do we even do this? Because it makes us feel good? Well, it does. Anytime you can help another human being in any area of life that has struggled and you can help them find success, that is powerful. But before we go patting ourselves on the back too much, it's a business. It's a biblical thought that a man should have, it's scriptural, that a man should have multiple income streams. Seven, to be exact. Now, the more income streams that you can create in an area where you have expertise and knowledge, obviously the better. I mean, if I wanted to go open a donut shop, I could, but I don't know a lot about donuts. If I wanted to open a auto mechanic business, I could. But I'd have to just hire people to do all the work because I don't know how to fix a car. So whatever area that you have expertise in, scripture encourages you to create multiple income streams around your area of expertise. So yes, we like to help people. Yes, it gives us personal pleasure to see other people succeed who have struggled in the past and failed. That would make anybody feel good. But make no mistake, we also do it for the money, okay? And I have no shame in saying that because at the price we charge, <laughs> uh, we, we undercharge and over-deliver, to say the least. I mean, we provide around the clock, 24-7, 365 support. You just won't find that anywhere else. So, moving on up, we had a short on the NQ this morning, okay? This was a buy, crude oil, 6470, to 6480, to 6725, to 6720, to 6780. So, B is buy, PR is potential resistance. First target, second target, third target, final target. So let's just look at that crude trade and see what happened with it. GCLG, okay. So the entry was 64.70. And 
for those of you that have uh, on DT Pro, if you've upgraded to the newest version, when you draw a line and you double click on the properties box to try to change it, you can change the color, but where it says ray, oh, it's letting me change it now. It wouldn't let me change it earlier. Somebody must have heard me whining and fixed it. Well, whoever did that, I thank you so much. That makes my life so much simpler. Save as default, close, nice. Okay. So, the entry on the trade was 64.70. Important prices, important areas are almost always tested. Okay. So this is a logic alert to buy 64.70. Okay, now I want to make that a 10. I want to make it bold. Save that as my default. Because as you can see, I have upgraded. So the entry was 64.70. The initial target, that $100 that I'm talking about, 64.80. Okay, the price went to 64.80. But the swing high of this move took us up to 65.04. So basically, that's $300 per contract traded. 10 contracts is three grand. Just don't try trading 10 contracts before you learn how to trade one contract. Don't go live until you've mastered the strategy, okay? 2420 Blueprint walks you through that process. You need to put together 10 consecutive days in a row where you reach your goal in the simulator before you start trading real money, okay? You don't wanna blow up another account, right? Okay, if you follow the Blueprint, I'm not going to say you could never blow up an account, but you'd sure have to break a lot of rules. So what happens? Price triggers. Gives you a nice $300 per contract move. And then it dips back below the trigger. Triggers a second time. And from $64.70 to That is a $1,000 per contract move. So you had a $300 per contract move, and then you had a $1,000 per contract move. Now, the final trade to target on the alert We're sitting, we've already hit the first target, we've hit the second target, the third target is 67.20, the final trade to target, okay, 67.80. So it's basically a three, the potential of this alert is three grand if crude keeps climbing. That is our highest weekly trading zone this week for crude oil, okay.
Now, I did say that we have two different types of alerts. Let me show you the other one real quick. It's called a concierge trade alert. Now, it differs in that this is posted as a static report at the beginning of each session. Last night, 25 minutes after Globex opened on crude oil, we said you want to be long above 65.05, short below 62.90. So the way you handle that is you go draw a little line in the sand at 65.05. I'm not going to do this on each one. I just want to highlight it on this one so you get the idea. And then the short side was 62.90. So what that means is once that report is published and you go put your two lines in the sand, let's make that one red. Okay. Now the the CTAs were published last night at 6.25 p.m. Eastern. So that would be the 1800 candle. So it was during the life of this candle that the CTA numbers were published. <coughs> now, as price comes back to the BBC and then gets above blue and climbing, right? You don't have to wait for this trigger. You don't have to wait for this trigger. Once you understand our strategy, you can get long. You could already have your goal for the day by the time you get to the logic alert or the CTA alert. Purpose of the CTAs are to give you forward guidance for the entire session. Once price reaches this CTA number, you only want to be looking for long trades above that. Okay. Remember, every one of those 6,000 whatever alerts that I showed you in the channel just now, those are all trend trades as defined on a 30-minute chart. If price is above the green line, the BBC, we're bullish. We anticipate higher prices. When price is below the BBC, we're bearish. So as long as price is below that green line, you won't see any long alerts in the alert channel. And then once price gets back above it, you won't see any short alerts in the channel. Okay, so all 6,000 whatever of those trades are all trend trades as defined by our indicators in a 30-minute chart. Okay, let's jump over to the daily chart here for a minute. Okay, now this is the all-time historic intraday high put in on February 16th. This is the all-time historic closing high, which was put in on President's Day. Wall Street was closed. This shows you how powerful the global markets have become in the grand scheme of things. When I first started trading futures in 2005, Globex existed, but it was considered a shadow market. It just kind of shadowed whatever the day session did in the U.S. That's no longer the case, and there's no greater proof than a new all-time historic high closing high being put in on a day Wall Street's closed. The following day, we had a bearish engulfing candle. 
on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CFRN. If you go back and listen to this day's broadcast, February the 16th, you'll hear me talking about this being in the proper context, which is what we have after a nice up move. This is the most powerful indication that a reversal in the markets is coming that I know of, okay? Bearish engulfing, it's also called an outside day. And did it give us a reversal? Well, the chart tells the story. Price pulled back to the BBC, where we expect it to be good support. BBC stands for bull bear cross. When price crosses above it, we're bullish, looking for higher prices. The pullback holds more often than it doesn't. When price crosses below it, we're bearish, we're looking for lower prices. The other indicator, it's called the CFMA1. I refer to it as blue and climbing, red and falling. One is bullish or support, the other is bearish or resistance. So when we put in the new all-time historic intraday high, bearish engulfing, prepare for the pullback, the retracement, here it comes. On this day, we got below the BBC, but we closed above it. The next session opens, we dip below it, we trade above it, we close above the BBC, that's bullish. So the next session opens, we trade down a wee bit to this important price, important area, okay? It is the 38% Fibonacci price extension, I'm sorry, Fibonacci price retracement. But long before this became the 38% Fib, based on this all-time historic high, it was resistance, 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 resistance. Pretty important price, pretty important area. Price finally got through that area, okay? And we spiked it on this day. We closed above, and then on this day, we reached down to that same area. It's now the 38% Fib because we have this new intraday high. And price bounces all the way up to red and falling, which we expect to be good resistance. That resistance is going to send the market looking for support, which it found at the 50% Fib retracement. From the swing low put in on February 1st to the swing high on February 16th, 50 per, this yellow line, 50% Fibonacci retracement. We bounced off it this day. We bounced off it this day, all the way back up to the 38. On this day, we bounced all the way up to the 24% Fib retracement and the 38% price extension, okay? Basically red and falling. And then down we come. And this time, we found support at the BBC, which is what we expect, and we bounced back up to the 24% Fib, which we expect to be resistance, and it was, it sent price back down through the BBC, back down to the 50% Fib retracement, which gave us a bounce to red and falling, resistance. That took us down to the 62% Fibonacci retracement of the last leg up. And this is today's candle right here.
it's important to start with the daily chart of whatever market you're trading so that you know where the important major support and resistance lies because you can't always see it on the smaller time frame. So we know overhead, basically 38.10. Today's high is actually 38.14, okay? So we know we've got major resistance there and we have major support down at today's low, which is 37.28 half. Okay, we're still, we're, we're still below that 50%. Okay, so if price can climb its way to 38.10, it's an area, so 38.10, 38.14, uh, red and falling, is it about 38.24? Could it bounce all the way to there? It's possible, but before it can do that, it's got to overcome this. Now, we don't trade off the daily chart, but we use this high altitude look at the market to identify the areas where we know we have to be aware that 38.10, potential resistance. Thirty-seven twenty-eight and a half, potential support. Okay, so now we go to our 30-minute chart. because we don't need it. All right. The concierge trade alert last night for the S&P. If you didn't get a screenshot, if you want one, you can have one. There you go. Five, four, three, two, one. Got it? Okay. So the short side was 37. 41. And the trade to target is the zone below at 35.36. Now, we also had a Logic 247 alert this morning. Thirty-seven fifty-three. Okay. So from 37.53, 37.53, down to the final trade to target, 37.36, it's 17, we already covered this, 17 points, $50 a point, $850 per contract traded. So you had the CTA number down here at 37.41, you had the logic, and of course, there were other logic alerts last night covering the upside. You know, remember, these come up, the logic alerts come out around the clock. <coughs> so, what's price doing now? Well, it's managed to get back above the BBC. We dropped to the zone, the yellow line zone from last week. Okay, so, we hit the zone and bounced up to the zone, back down to the zone, and it held again. 
and it held again. And so the next high probability move from here, now this is potential resistance. And it was, but because we had some jobs, positive job numbers this morning, the market was a little more exuberant than one might expect. So we spiked that, but it still was the resistance that we anticipate. So this 3803 zone from last week, uh, price has traded through it a few times. So I think we can just let that go. Uh, and the next high probability, what, what, what is the next high probability move? Well, we're above the BBC. We anticipate higher prices. And so I'll just put it in the channel. Alert number 6721. 3802. Second target or potential resistance. 
freeze. Okay. So now price coming back down. Okay. Now our trigger is up at 3804. Okay. So if price comes back to this weekly zone and finds good support, then we might have another alert. Okay. That leads us up to this swing high. And then the alert would say previous alert still valid. So it'd be like a tag team match. Imagine price comes down. In fact, it could come all the way down to the BBC and find support. And then it'll start to build a leg. Now, we won't get long right here, most likely, because there won't be enough room to run. Because if we get below that zone on the way back up, that becomes potential resistance. Okay. So you, this is part of being a larger time frame trader is you've got to develop the patience and the discipline. Some people don't have time for that. They're impatient. They just want to click the mouse, make some money, and go get business cards printed up to say trader. Okay. Well, we all know that doesn't work, right? So we're trying to teach you something here that stands the test of time. So here, you're going to be patient. You don't have a high probability, low risk trade setup yet. If price comes down through the BBC, then we'll have a high probability trade setup to the short side. And I'll post it in the channel. Already posted the long side. So our work is done as far as the S&P goes. Now we just got to be patient. And if you're a trader who struggles with being patient, reading a message sorry okay how you doing Hal? okay here's the Dow okay and so this morning uh, during the room I put out an alert to be short the Dow 30890 oh. 90. Okay. And the final trade to target, of course, was the zone down here at 30690. Yeah, that didn't open right. There we go. 30690 slash 95. So the actual alert looked like this. Sell 3890, initial target 3880. Oh. That should have been 70, but anyway, the swing low was 37.31. 30, and so we made it to the first target, the second target, the third target, the fourth target. We didn't quite make it all the way to the final target. But from 890 to 740, 840 minus 790. It's 50. No, that's not right. I keyed it in wrong. Let's try it again. 890 minus. 
I don't do public math. 150, okay. 150 Dow points. It went beyond that, okay. But it, it went beyond this target. So it was 150 points at $5 a point. $750 per contract traded. Once you earn the right to trade 10 contracts, that's a $7,500 move. Do yourself a favor. After you get your passport, do not go into your live account. Okay? I mean, you can go in there and look around, but don't touch anything. You need to spend time in the simulator in your demo account learning the strategy. It's very simple. The indicators are very simple. Michael works hard two hours a day. Valerie's there helping him. She works around the clock. I mean, we do everything we can to teach you the very simple methodology, strategy, and the indicators. Keep your hands off the live account until you put together 10 consecutive days in a row in the simulator. Otherwise, the past is going to repeat itself. How many accounts will you blow up? How many more wires will you send to Chicago? Well, until something changes, nothing changes. Let this be that something, okay? Purpose it in your heart. God, you know, if, if you have to draw up a contract with God, do it. Get out a pen and paper. Dear God, this time, because I want to honor you with my work and the fruits of my labor, because I want to care for orphans or feed the homeless or clothe the naked, whatever it is, whatever God has called you to, and he's called each of us, to a purpose. He didn't create us for nothing. Okay? And if you haven't found out what your purpose is, talk to him. Ask him to show you. He will. Okay? But God, this time, it's going to be different. I see the vision. I know what you've called me to do. I know that ministry costs money, God. And so, I want this to be how I get my money so I don't have to beg from people who might not even believe in you. I don't want to have to stand with my hat in my hand and shuffle my feet in front of corporate America or atheists and beg them for money to do my quote-unquote God's work. And people get such a kick out of that. You don't even believe in God and here you are preaching about Jesus, but you need their money to do God's work. Honestly, I don't think God ever intended it to be that way. Paul had a job when he wasn't in jail when he wasn't in chains, when he wasn't busy writing, busy writing most of the New Testament, he had a job. He made the tents, okay? Ministry costs money. So if you want this to be the way that you make money to support your ministry, then you got to get serious. So write this contract with God. This time, God, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it the smart way. I'm not going to get caught up in the hubris, I'm going to put my 10 consecutive days together in a row. And once I do that, I'll follow the instructions. And the instructions are pretty simple. After you get your 10 consecutive days in a row, the blueprint gives you the green light to go live with one contract. If you take just two points out of the S&P, Every one of these alerts, the initial target equals $100.
on the NQ, it's $200. S&P, $100. Dow, 20 points, $100. Russell, 2 points, $100. Initial target on every one of these. And in case you forgot, so far this week, 96 alerts. 16 never triggered, 80 actionable. Every one of them had an initial target worth $100 per contract. So if your goal is just two S&P points a day, okay, when you go live with one contract, you do your 10 consecutive days in a row where you reach your goal, then you go live with one contract. Your goal now is to increase your account balance by $2,000. Once you do that, the blueprint will give you the green light to add a second contract, okay? Now, the big difference between the first contract and the second contract, the first contract comes out of your pocket. The second contract comes from the profits you earned in the market trading one contract. You'll trade two contracts for a while. The blueprint will tell you when it's time to add number three, number four, number five. This trade we just looked at, $750 per contract. If you've earned the right to trade two contracts, that's 1500 bucks. You've earned the right to trade 10 contracts, it's $7,500. But my whole point here is to encourage you to this time, do it different. Be patient. Exercise discipline. Do the work. Now, the 2420 Blueprint also walks you through writing your business plan and your trading plan. You might find this hard to believe, but nine out of 10 traders, nine out of 10 new traders, don't have a business plan or a trading plan. They're two very different documents, but nine out of 10 traders don't have those and nine out of 10 new traders fail outside of our walls. Okay, we believe in no trader left behind. Now that's a statistic you see on the screen. Now, for me, from Futures Magazine, when I read that article back in 2006, I was depressed because I just left the world of equities for futures, only to read this article. Ugh. So, it was such a dramatic statistic, I wanted to know why. Why in the world would 9 out of 10 people fail at anything? I mean, you don't have that kind of washout rate uh, in brain surgery school, or Navy SEALs, or any other tough job. Why? Well, it didn't take too long to arrive at the initial answer, is that they didn't have a teacher. Imagine trying to become a Navy SEAL without somebody to teach you. Imagine trying to become an electrician or a plumber or a pilot or an attorney or any, pick any profession. Imagine trying to do that without having somebody teach you how to do it. But because the barrier to entry in trading is so low, I mean, you can fund an account, a futures account with a few grand. Your business cards will cost you another 20 bucks. Bang, baby, I'm a, I'm a trader. Huh. So don't let that low barrier to entry trip you up. Let it be a positive thing, okay? If you don't get trained here, get trained somewhere. 
Nine out of ten new traders fail because they don't have anyone to teach them how to do it. Now you might say, oh no, I've joined many groups, I've had many gurus. You'll never learn how to trade by watching other people trade, period. You can watch videos to the cows come home of other people trading. You can watch videos of people swimming to the cows come home. You're not going to learn how to swim that way. I mean, you might get some ideas about swimming. You know, you might understand what the butterfly stroke is. But until you get in the pool, you're not going to learn how to swim. Now, a good swim instructor will put you in the pool the first time in the deep end with floaties, right? Okay. Think of the demo account as your floaties. We don't want you drowning on the first day of swim class. We don't want you going broke trying to learn how to trade our methodology and strategy. Trade in the demo account till you have 10 consecutive days in a row. And only then should you consider going live with one contract. As you progress, as the blueprint says, it's time for number two, time for number three. You only add one at a time and you only add with profit you earn in the market. If you don't have profit available to underwrite the additional contract, then you don't add. And anytime you hit a rough patch, need help, you book a one-on-one -on -one mentoring session and you meet with a live human being in a go-to meeting environment. It's private, just the two of us, or just you and Michael, or you and Valerie, you and Bert. And you get your questions answered. You get the help you need. Morning, Dwayne. Access to one-on-one -on -one mentoring. There's my friend we've been waiting for. Welcome to the show, Garrett. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm even better now that I've talked to you. Well, there you go. That's what I was feeling on this end. So that's, that's a good thing. That's good for Fridays. Hey, I got something to show you, I think. So um, if you got, if we can do the charts. Let me It's kind of a wild day today. So um, I had a turn day today, and you never know those are going to happen or not. And it, Okay, you are the presenter. Okay, let's you see. got to accept or... There you Let go. me know when... Got it. It pops up, huh? Uh-huh. Got it, brother. I wrote an observations on... Um, I can't remember the date. It was four, four trading days before the top on February 16th, and it was... Uh, oh, can I pause you right there? Because I don't want to no. interrupt you later. Uh President's Day, which was the 15th, right? Mm-hmm. Wall Street was closed that day. We put in a new all-time historic closing high in the S&P 500 on a day Wall Street was closed. Remember, now, Chris? That's powerful because when I first started trading futures, Globex was like a shadow market, you know? It was there, but nobody really paid it much attention. Nothing major ever began or ended on Globex. But on a day when Wall Street was closed, the S&P 500, E-mini Futures, put in their all-time historic closing high to be followed with the day you're getting ready to talk about where we had the bearish engulfing candle on the daily chart, which led to this beautiful retracement that we've had. So, and if you remember... 
if you remember the Christmas low of 2018. Uh -huh. That was done, that was made on Christmas Eve when yes. everybody's not thinking about the market and running out and getting the last Christmas presents that they weren't able to get earlier. Yes. Some countries don't do Christmas, by the way, folks. Yeah. Um, on this uh, chart here, uh, anyway, I... Um, I see the bulls. I don't see the chart yet. Oh, uh, that's what I mean. Uh, what had happened... Um, I saw a lot of stuff coming up in the top and on my observations, which was actually two observations before this, uh, four days before the top, I had a really, really bearish thing. Of course, we were going up to make that high that, we're talk that you're talking about right now. Um, but I gave my readers <laughs> four days head, head start and the market moved up only a half a percent in those four days and topped on the 16th. So that one warned them uh, seriously. And then I had one issue before this. And then this one, which was a saying, was kind of a, okay, we've seen our top, this thing's got more to go. And then this one here saying pretty much the same thing. The market put in um, somewhat of a rally kind of coming back. I can't remember when that, when that one day rally are was. You showing, are you showing a chart right now? I just want to make sure. Okay. And we had a, the, the market was, at the time I wrote this on the second, the, uh, the market had uh, made that sharp rally. Uh, it, it, it bottomed on uh, the 26th at um, uh, 3789. You can grab that if you need to. Uh, hang on just a second. If you have any questions, guys, about, <clears throat> go ahead. Um, anyway, the market uh, had had made that first uh, oh five. It wasn't a full five wave move down, but you made that low on um, February twenty third, where it got down to thirty eight hundred, thirty eight oh five. Then it rallied up. And uh, what I think was, a, you know, you made a big A wave down and then you got a minor A wave up and a B wave down to a lower low at 37.89, which was on the 26th. Then the market rallies up. So a lot of people, I think, were looking at this and, oh, that's an ABC. That's the low for wave four down there again on February 26th. And boy, here we take off. And then you get this gap up move. You close on the 26th. At a closing price of 38.11, and you um, the next day you open up, um, which was March 1st, um, you open at uh, 38.88, uh, but you wind up uh, and 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 you wind up closing. I'm sorry, you open at 38.42, and you wind up closing at uh, 38.88, and then on the uh, on March 1st, we got all the way up to uh, 39.14. So this came out on March 2nd. So what people had looked at was, boy, the market had made a top back on Feb 
on February and had fallen off in this ABC decline. And there's the poor little bull in there, sick in bed. Mm -hmm. But now it had gone up and made this sharp recovery rally and got all the bulls excited. So you got the snorting bull there and it's kind of like, which one is it? Um, and we know what's happened since then. But what I covered in here, can you see this chart okay? I can. This is just from the March low of last year down here. And all I'm saying is that this particular trend line right here, uh, which is based on this high, which was kind of the extreme move here, the test, and then that second run. And I took that angle right there and moved it down to this low. And there's the line. And what's happened here and I think we talked about this before, is that for whatever reason, this line right here has been a magnet for price. Here, you're kind of far away from it, comes back down to it pretty quickly. Here, you're below it, comes back up to it. Same thing all the way along. And after this point here, after you've got these two fairly wide swings, and from here, you're just right on it until this drop, then you're back on it, then we have our correction. And now, at least for the time being, it looks like we've, we've pulled away from this line and maybe we'll, uh, we'll spend some time getting a little bit way, a ways away from it. But what I did on here, um, just some of the charts that I showed uh, is, this is kind of what happens in the late part of a cycle. I've, I've, um, you know, we've talked about um, the, the comment that after you have a depression, uh, like the, the stock market bottom in 32 and the economic bottom in 1933. Coming out of that, uh, you've wiped out debt you've, and you've wiped it, wiped it out basically because of defaults and bankruptcies. And then you cleaned the slate and that's when you start a new move to the upside. And nobody wants to borrow money coming out of a depression <laughs> because of what they've just come out of. And, um, Therefore, the lending part uh, and people taking on debt is very slow to happen in the early stages of that first 40 years as you come out of the depression low. But as things start to turn around, people start to get more confidence and their business starts to pick up and the economy picks up, then businesses will go out and, and want to expand, which is the normal procedure. And after they gain some confidence, they'll go out and borrow money for expansion. And then as things keep going, you get into the cycle and you know that, okay, well, the depression's gone and things are going to be okay. And 40 years later, you come into 1973 and Nixon's president and you, all sorts of debt has been being built up, not compared to today, of course, but back uh, compared, certainly compared to 1933. Um, and, that, and then you have a setback and you get that first major correction into the 1974 low where the market uh, went down and it was one of the last two times that the market has sold near book value. The other time was in 1982 when the market, the S&P had got down and was selling literally at book value. And we haven't been anywhere near it ever since. Um, I was in the Wazoo band in school. Oh, no, wait, that was the Kazoo. Oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, you get that big correction, then you get this plateau period where the market stays under a thousand uh, on the on the Dow. Imagine that um, under a thousand for 
16, almost 17 years from 1966 to 1982. And finally, you break out of that in early 1983. And then you're on this second run and this second period of debt buildup, which arguably starts either from 1974. Mm-hmm. Um, but frankly, the probably the place to take it from is the breakout which was 1982-83. So you put 40 years on top of that, and we're talking about next year. So we're we're 39 years into this from the latest period. So we are definitely in the window of the second period of, of debt buildup. And that period, um, the first 40 years of debt buildup, again, it's very slow uh, at the beginning because everybody's uncomfortable with debt, and then it builds toward the end of that. The second 40-year period, you've already built up uh, a, a, a base of debt, which doesn't go away, and uh, and then that's and so you you build from a higher level. But now everybody's used to debt, and debt's okay. And now you've got um, you have a big change that happened. One of those changes is um, what was what was the old uh, uh, I can't think of the uh, the old money management. Uh, 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 thing that everybody was using. Um, I've got modern, modern. I've got modern monetary theory, more, modern portfolio theory. Modern portfolio theory was invented in like 1952, I believe. Okay. So it wasn't. It hasn't been modern very. <laughs> it, it's been a long time since that's been modern. But that was modern portfolio theory. And then now we've got modern monetary theory, which says that doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Things are growing. You have to feed that growth with. Uh, I, I got to hit money. mute for just a second, but keep going. Um, anyway, you, you have to feed that um, uh, that growth with with debt, uh, and and they make it all sound very very logical. So that's what happens. Now we've got a new theory that's kind of governing the market, where. Um, debt is okay. And um, we've had debt for <laughs> ever since 1933. So people have become familiar with it. Uh, debt's become our friend, supposedly. And uh, gosh, it's no problem at all. And then as you get laid into this cycle, what happens is debt, debt explodes. It gets, um, it starts a, a period of parabolic growth. And as you can see on this chart here, you know, we create a, a debt ceiling. And we have this ceiling and, oh, gosh, you know, you don't want to get through that ceiling. But then they change it. And then you go up to this ceiling and then to this ceiling and this ceiling. And it goes on ad, ad, ad infinitum until it explodes. At some point, it, it's going to fail. And we saw in the recent Treasury auction, the seven-year Treasury auction, that nobody wanted the paper. and didn't have any foreign buyers come in. Um, uh, and that's a scary part. And and uh, with interest rates moving up, you have a problem of uh, of collateral not being there. And um, you know you'll have more sales than uh, than they can meet. You know it cre- it creates a problem. So you've got uh, uh, when when the supposed buyers out there are very concerned about the co- collateral. Uh, then you've got a problem because then all of a sudden we get away from that that more modern monetary theory, right? Where, oh gosh, debt doesn't matter. 
don't worry about it. So most people will just go, okay, well, they're not worried, we're not worried, and and they go along and you get your your Robin Hood trading guys and people buying all these hot stocks and the, the money's out there, the Fed's making the money available, so you just buy the market and it's easy money. Uh, it's not supposed to be easy money. Uh, uh, when there's easy money in any market, you're, you're setting up for a problem. Uh, when the gold market took off in 1980 and gold was going up every time a shake over in the Middle East sneezed uh, and you had a 50 point or $50 move in gold, um, for the people who were gold holders, it was easy money. Boy, look at this. Uh, uh, this is great. And then all of a sudden it gets up uh, to $877 in January of, uh, of 1980 and everybody's just... Um, uh, couldn't be happier, interest rates are high, but uh, they're making money in the gold market, no problem. All of a sudden it puts in a tough, and in two years you're down at $233. That's a big, that's a big correction. And oh, by the way, real estate went down there too, and bond markets topped in November of, uh, of 1981, and uh, rates have been going down, uh, rates have been, you know, dropping ever since from from that uh, from that high where during that year rates got over 20% and bonds got down to 55. So we're at the other end of that scale now. And now smart money is starting to question debt and you're starting to see interest rates to go up. And all of a sudden, for the first time in this bull market, we've had a change. We've had uh, uh, kind of a noticeable change and it's coming through uh, and it starts to affect the psychology. And that's the key. The key, the thing that makes markets go up or down is uh, I remember years ago and this question had come up, I think it was Jim Sinclair uh, who was asked the question, who, who was one of the great gold people and a person who has a wonderful mastery of uh, world economics and Jim Jim was asked a question and by the way it's not the first time the question's been asked but the uh, question was uh, the things that affect the market apparently are fundamental things uh, you know such as earnings and so forth right. uh, and technical things and then psychological things right and he goes yeah that's it the, those three factors they're, they're what make the market go up or down and he said well he said, how would you rate those? You know, what what percentage should each of those three get? And Jim said, well, he said, and the logical thinking would be, well, let's be fair about everything. You know, fundamentals should get 33%. Fundamentalists think that they should get 90%. You know, the technical side should get 33%. And technical guys think they should get 90 or 100%. They think they've got the answer. Right. And then the third area, which people don't usually talk about, usually it's fundamental and technical. The third area, of course, is psychological. And uh, the psychiatrists, <laughs> the psychologists, they figure it should get 90%. But we give it 33%. That's probably what a logical answer would be. It's, it's a third, a third, and a third. So what does Jim say? His answer is, well, uh, he says, you know, I'm a technical guy who understands the fundamentals, but he says, I'd give it uh, fundamental zero, technical zero, and psychological 100%. So naturally, everybody's dismayed at, at the minimal. <laughs> and uh, uh, he said, gee, would you like to explain that? And he said, sure. 
he says, fundamental thinking will go into your decisions. Um, and if you're, uh, you know, if you're a fundamentalist, that's what all your decisions are, 100% of it. If you're only technical, 100% of technical stuff makes your decisions. But if you're a person uh, like Jim, he says, he says I'm, a, I'm certainly a, a technical guy, but I'm aware of the fundamentals. He says, so I weigh both. And he says, those go into my decision. Who knows, 50-50. But he says, when I pull the trigger, when I make the trade, he says, because people can think all day long and talk about stuff, that's easy. The, the, the game begins when you're ready to make the trade. And when you pull the trigger to make that trade, whether it's a buy, a sell, or a short, that's 100% psychological. It doesn't happen unless you get 100% psychological. You don't make trades. <laughs> you know, the decision isn't pulled on fundamentals or technical. Right. Uh, that may be a reason. But when you execute, it's the psychology. You're finally ready to trade. And you're either ready through greed or fear, right? <laughs> at, at the moment of your execution, you're probably feeling greed or fear. You're getting scared out of a trade or you're getting hungry to make some money. One or the other. You know, or, or, or variants of that. Anyway, um, there's that. This here is kind of an interesting chart. I hope you can see that. Um, maybe I can expand it a little bit. This is uh, interest rates over a long period of time uh, from the, well, I should make it a little bit smaller. Okay, I guess it wants to be there. We'll keep it there. This is the beginning of the country. You know, 1776 is over here. So here's interest rates. This is the 6% level here, which used to be normal interest rates. And anything above that's high or low. And here's everything that's happened since then. This is 1945 down here. This is the low, 1.7%. They ran up into the peak in 1981. Uh, these, these are, I think this is a 10-year notes and this was 15.8% uh, but we know that fed funds rates got up over 20% and now we're back down to essentially zero so you've got this great move up for you know the better part of 40 years and uh, a great move down for for 40 years on the notes so far so uh, debt build up uh, from here and before, and and again, debt build up again, but look at interest rates. Here you're building up debt as they're going up, and here interest rates are coming down like crazy, hmm. and you're still building up debt. Uh, so that ought to say that, you know, here they're going in the same direction, and maybe that means that interest rates are going up because the economy is getting better and building debt. That makes sense, but when they're going down, shouldn't you be getting rid of that debt? Well, the answer is, yeah, you should have. You should have done it right here. Mm -hmm. But nobody has. And in fact, if you were charting debt instead of interest rates and you started down here, we'd be somewhere up here off the charts. We're, we're, we're through the roof, <laughs> literally. So that's, um, that's why things are kind of setting up where anybody who you got, you got two choices in the world in this case. You can look at reward or you can look at risk. And uh, if you're looking at market prices, if you're down here, people are, this is interest rates. So let's pretend this is not interest rates and stock prices. If stock prices are down at an ultimate low, mm -hmm. 
what happens is everybody's focus is on risk uh, in reality because they're all scared to death. But that's not where their focus should be on risk. When the market's washed out and it's lost 90% of its value, let's say in 1932, um, at that point, how much how much further is it going to go down? You know, what are you going to do? Hang on. Sorry. Hey, no <laughs> um, I offered to put him on. I said, you want to come on? Come on, I'll put you on with me. <laughs> anyway, um, but but this kind of gives you kind of an idea. And then, of course, if this, again, if this is stock prices and we're where we are now, well, this is no time to have your thoughts on reward. Reward should have been the outcome from here to here. Right. Uh, at this point, you really want to have your, your thoughts on risk and, and, um, and yet, people are still buying the dips and, and this kind of price action today is going to uh, accentuate that. Uh, some of the stuff that I wanted to show, this is a seven year auction. And when you see things like this in any chart, you know, these are aberrations and um, outliers, I call them. Yeah. Same yeah. Thing. Outliers. Exactly. And these are the kind of things that it's not whether you want to see them or not. I mean, if you're, if, if whatever this is, you're short here, then this is fine. And if you're long here, then this is fine. And same thing here. But the point is something, something different's going on here than, than went on over here. And what happened and what, what is different is that people, you know, we, we sell bonds to, to create money to run the economy, uh, theoretically. And um, China and Japan and other countries buy our debt. Well, and so we've gotten very happy to run on debt and we've changed modern monetary theory from what it was to say that, hey, debt doesn't matter. We can expand this debt. It's, uh, it's no big deal. And, uh, and everybody buys into it. And then you even have things that come, come about, such as passive investing. What's going on now? Everybody's a passive investor, uh, meaning money managers. What does that mean? It means, well, they buy and hold and other psychological things, such as in passive investing, the last price, no matter whether it's the highest price in history, it's the correct price. Well, why is it the correct price? Well, because that's what the market created at that point in time. Now, I'm of the opinion that somewhere down the line, somebody's gonna look at that and going, what in the world were these guys thinking when they made that statement? But frankly, the smartest guys on the planet right now, for the most part have bought into that. And, and they've been right because the Fed has created money uh, and the reality, they'll never tell you. I mean, the reality is um, they may have created a lot more than they thought and they put it in the hands of these bankers to make sure that the market goes up. And gosh, why would you do that? And I try to share stuff on, on this show and when I write the observations. Uh, which I'm really getting away from now is to kind of telling people what's really going on behind the scenes because all of us get caught up in, oh, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, and you know, uh, 
Trump's a genius. No, Biden's a genius. Trump's an idiot. Uh, been back and forth. And, and that's the... You know, and that's the game. And whichever side you're on, the others, particularly now, uh, after this second 40-year period of debt buildup, particularly now, we, if you're on one side, you think the other side's crazy, and this, and and that works, and that works both ways. Um, what's happened that never gets, you know, we have to understand that there's people out there that are controlling things. And they don't have anything to do with Democrat or Republican. As a matter of fact, they control both of those parties, if the truth be told. They control the stock market. They control both of those parties. They control politics. They control the economy. They control finance. And they control society. And they control health. And they control everything else. Is that ever mentioned? No. Oh, why? Because they control the media. Why would they not mention it in the media? Because they aren't stupid. We're not talking about whether they're good or whether they're evil. One thing for sure is they're not stupid. And sadly, the American public is, what's the nice way to put it, uh, not necessarily really smart. Um, and it doesn't have anything to well do with it. Not as well as we would like them to be. Yeah, it's not about intelligence because people can come up and say, hey, listen, here's my papers. I got 162 IQ. Uh, don't tell me I'm not smart. I'm going, nobody's telling you you're not smart. But intelligence uh, isn't worth too much if you don't utilize it. Now, those people with that kind of an IQ and they're out doing their job and whatever, and they're probably doing a wonderful job at whatever it is that they're doing. However, if they're not aware, if they're not aware of what's going on and we're in this period in the cycle now, and they think that Joe Biden is, you know, God's gift to um, uh, uh, governing. Uh, wait, and by the way, just a quick digression. Isn't it interesting? Uh, because I thought, you know, if you're going to have somebody, uh, the president of the United States is a person who governs, right? Isn't that what his job is? In other uh -huh. words, your job is you're governing, that you're 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 making decisions to govern the supposedly the greatest free nation on the planet so isn't it wouldn't it just make perfectly logical sense that if you were going to have an election and people were going to govern that you would put somebody in there who's had plenty of experience governing which normally would mean being in business possibly being in politics to some degree. But the difference is Joe and his predecessor, Mr. Obama, never governed. They weren't governors. There's a governor and a senator and a congressman. A governor is responsible for governing that state. A senator and a, and a person in Congress, they're not governing anything. In reality, right. are they? Right, no. I mean, there's, this is a subtle difference, but if you think about it, it's not so subtle. Uh, if you go back to George W. Bush, well, he was the governor of Texas, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. So he actually did govern. I don't know whether his father did. But, but there's a distinction there that isn't it ironic that we freely vote for somebody 
who at the most critical time in the history of the nation, which I think is right now, we put somebody in who hasn't had governing experience. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, I don't care if you like Joe Biden, I don't care if you don't like Joe Biden, it doesn't have anything to do with it. That, that's, <laughs> that's politics of another sort. That's, you know, do I like white bread or do I like wheat, wheat bread or do I hate bread? <laughs> You know, do I like tacos? That's well. That's that doesn't get into the that shouldn't get into the conversation. But the funny thing is, at this stage of the cycle, that is the conversation. I like Joe. I don't like Trump. The response to that comment is, or should be, so what? I don't care who you like. Nobody cares who you like. Who? See, we would never have this if we were talking about quarterback for a football team, would we? This would never come up. You know, gee, I like I like Tom Brady, but I don't like, um, you know, pick one. <laughs> you know, some of, I don't. I like him. I don't like Aaron Rodgers. Whatever. You know, you got to be crazy. You got to like them both. But, uh, but, but the point is that never comes up. What comes up in football is. I may like him, I may not like him, but the question is, nobody's got any question about Brady being the, the greatest of all time. He's already proven that. And whether I like Joe Montana or, or Kenny Stagler or somebody, Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter. He's already proven it. So unless I'm an idiot, that, that's a guy who can lead. There's any question about it. And if he's not 90 years old and still able to run around, that's the guy you want to have quarterback. That's the kind of... You need to make the decision that a football coach makes when he's choosing the guy to lead his team. He's not going to choose necessarily the guy he likes. That may come down uh, the road. I mean, when you like his, as far as a personality, he's going to choose the guy who makes him look best best as a coach, at least in his his uh, ability to make that decision. Right. And when you have political uh, elections, they've morphed into nothing more than a popularity contest for the most part. And um, anyway, that, by the way, that goes, that goes along with the cycle. And what I was just saying, what I wanted to say is that things are going on now. Uh, and if you look at it from the political side, you don't get the answer and nothing makes any sense. But if you look at it from the side of reality, which is what we were told in 19... 61 by um, Eisenhower and by JFK. Both of us gave severe warnings, uh, strict warnings that somebody behind the scenes is really pulling the strings. This country is being run by secret societies or what, what, what um, Eisenhower referred to as the military industrial complex. In other words, it's not being run by who you think it's being run by. And who it's really being run by, of course, is the banksters. And there's a pyramid that's shown very nicely. And um, there was a movie called Thrive uh, done by a guy named Foster Gamble. Mm -hmm. And he shows a pyramid, which shows the people at the bottom. And then that above them is the government. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, that, and you, and you think, well, gee, that's the answer. It's the government that's that's obviously running the show because they're the government, right? And uh, all the Republicans, Democrats are going to go, yeah, that's just why. That's why we had an election and we voted for this guy or that guy. 
but the reality and that's fine and that's and the guys that are pulling the strings that's all that's what they want you to think it's like you're down here and they're the government and you're voting for them and uh, and that's it at the end of the story no, nothing more and the funny part is there's actually a lot more to this story because above the government is corporations you know let me see if i put this i can't remember if i put that in my newsletter or not i don't probably don't have it in this one i don't um but anyway, just to continue on that particular point, above the governments is the, is the big corporations. Mm -hmm. Who's doing the censorship? Yeah. The government? Oh, oh, oh. No, I mean, man, really. we're, we're, we're back to burning books again. Well, I mean, it's worse. I mean, it, books, you had a limitation with books, right? I mean, and, and Amazon again, put in, all the Mon Pa bookstores out of business. Jeff Bezos is now the single largest think, bookseller think, in the world think yeah, I was gonna say, now think he's going to decide what you should read and what you should not read oh and how about we finally got rid of that horrible dr seuss yeah what a creep i mean yeah i mean you know and and you know j just wait i mean they're 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 doing they're it's subtle they know that they 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 really push people the wrong way but they're doing a they're doing a real good job of trying to get rid of jesus that's been on the on the table it's, for a long time it, it, it's like the old frog analogy where you know if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water he's going to jump out but if you put a frog in a pot of water and slowly turn up the heat a little by a little uh that frog will boil to death yeah and that's that's what they've been doing. Um, the anyway, just to get rid of that pyramid thing. The clearly, the corporations are ahead of the government. These guys look at the, look at the money. Look what happened when everybody else. So many people were lost their businesses, and it, whether they lost their businesses or not, they're forced to be home, and 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 horrible things happened. And who benefited? Amazon. Amazon could sit back and wait for big companies to go look who's going out of business it's not just mom and pop it's uh, isn't neiman marcus and i mean if you look at the big names that have gone out of business it's mind-boggling and these big companies can sit back and cherry pick them pretty they can soon pick you will get your gas at the amazon gas station you will get your uh prescriptions your medicine from the amazon drugstore uh if you need uh, some electrical work done in your house, a little Amazon van's gonna pull up out front. If somebody in your house gets sick and you have to call for an ambulance, a Amazon ambulance is gonna, that's a very lucrative business. It's gonna pull up out front. I mean, we've all heard about the corporate store or the company store as it was called, you know, back in the day when people worked for a big company and, and it was like in a remote area. So they had the company store and so all week long, you could go in and you could buy things in the company store and they would at an incredible markup and they would just put it on the tab, put it on the tab. So when payday rolled around on Friday, instead of you drawing a paycheck, you were lucky if you broke even. Chances are you owed the company a little bit of money. And from that point forward, you were no longer a quote unquote employee. You were an indentured slave. Mm hmm. And the interesting thing, you can see the power that these big corporations have. Um, 
and they're controlling, they're doing the censoring. Um, you don't need the government to do it. The government's doing their job. I got to kiss Twitter's butt. I mean, congressmen are sitting there going, I got to kiss Twitter's butt at YouTube's and Facebook's. Otherwise, they might cancel me. Yeah, exactly. And and, and by the way, and we're, le and we're letting them, we're just, we're the pot sitting here in the water. We're the frog sitting in the, in the pot, just letting them do this. Because nobody well, wants to speak up. Nobody wants to fight them because nobody wants to be canceled. Well, let's remember that nobody um, nobody really understands who the enemy is here. You know, the, the, the enemy that, that we're sold is Trump. And, of course, that was, uh, again, well, whether you like We fight against not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in high places. And this, oh, what an example this is of that very idea. You know, you... <laughs> Principalities and powers in high places. Anybody ever heard of the cloud? You know, most of your life today exists in the cloud. Yeah, you still get up and put on pants and, and touch people and, well, oh wait, we're not supposed to touch each other anymore. Um, I mean, guys, it's just unfolding right in front of us. Well, the, the, Principalities the other thing... and powers in high places. Now, I realize the cloud is... It's a term, but when you think cloud, tell me you don't think high places. Uh, and who owns the cloud? Who controls the cloud? I, I, the last statistic I remember reading, Amazon Web Services, 63% of everything on the Internet flows through Amazon's web servers at some point along the way. Well, um, these guys not only own that, uh, uh, you know, they... They own some of these people, and uh, you know, own voting machines. I mean, there's just, there's the corruption is incredible. But but above the above the big corporations, yeah, are the big banks. Are the big what? The big banks. The big banks. Which, Again, they by can... the way, uh, are scrambling for life because they're the world is realizing. I mean, what. We're still a bit from mass adoption, but people are realizing we don't need these third-party intermediaries. Uh, you can buy a house today 100% online. You can take a virtual tour. You can decide to buy the house. You can then finance it through Quicken Loans, and then you can use DocuSign to sign the title and all of the documents that need to be signed. You, you can buy and sell real estate from the comfort of your home, never having to leave. If you don't want well, to, the if you now, if you want to actually see the house, you can arrange a showing where you'll be met by a robot that really does exist. Hi, Mr. Jones, Mrs. Jones. Let me show you this beautiful home. And as you pass through the kitchen, the robot, depending upon the time of day, says, "Would you like a coffee or a cocktail?" The robot's capable of making either one. And as the robot tours you through the house, uh, natural questions that buyers ask are, "So." How much is it? You know, it's hot here in Phoenix in the summer. How much are the utilities in the summer? Now, a regular real estate agent would have to say, okay, I'm going to check those figures and get back to you and make little notes. But the robot is just going to instantaneously look in the cloud and go, well, over the last 10 years, the hottest months of the year, June, July, and August, the average electricity bill for this property was boom, on the spot. 
The robot will be able to answer all of your questions from readily available public information. You know, what, how much are the taxes each year on the property, everything you need to know. And then you're ready to go back home and make your well-informed buying decision. And again, you can sign the contract, do the Quicken Loan, all from your desk. Please go well, ahead. I hijacked your story there. <laughs> well, I just wanted to keep the focus on, you know, there's all sorts of wonderful things that are happening. But in the meantime, we're having our, our freedom taken away from us and we're having it happen at the most critical time. Oh, yeah. That in was the my last point is this is all being sold to us as a as something that's good for us. They're not yeah, going to force it on us. We're, 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 we're embracing it with open arms. Can you embrace something with open arms? Hmm. Okay, that's a thought. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, so what happens is that the problem that we, we don't know who the enemy is. And when you don't know who the enemy is, the enemy's got uh, free reign over you to do whatever they want. And they've done this. And like I say, uh, the people at the tip top of this thing... Um, well, they want 500 million people on the planet. That's what they'd like to see. And, um, and the first it's thing... it's really matter to Bill Gates 20 years from now. Has he looked in the mirror lately? Well, let's, let's, let's go with that, though. I mean, here's what's happened. Most people, remember, people are completely unaware of that. Well, who are these people that want 500 million people on the planet? That means 80% or 90% of the people would, would, would have to be off the planet. That's crazy. There, there's an American thought. The, thought. the thought isn't, really? Where did you get that information? That sounds pretty crazy. What? No. When you're brainwashed, that doesn't happen. It's like, no, that's wrong. I won't even listen. That's crazy. Fact, the point is, it's factual. And, and it's very easy to see and it's very obvious. Uh, we have a change. I mentioned the change where we went to modern monetary theory now from modern portfolio theory, which is a change. The change that we've had uh, uh, going back a number of years is pharmaceuticals. I mean, it, it seems like now, anybody now would say pharmaceuticals, they've been here forever. What are you talking about? And I go, no, people used to, I mean, I know you'll find this hard to believe, but uh, people used to actually uh when they got sick they used to want to get healed now they whether they i think they still want to get healed but the bottom line is most of them don't they get treated they they, they want to get rid of the symptoms right yeah so if you're 60 years old now or 70 years old or 50 years old odds are you're probably taking five drugs uh so so here's the point back in 1960 four percent of the children that were born uh, had autoimmune diseases at birth, you know, hmm. now, now it's 50%. And oh, it's like, excuse me, we've got a surgeon general and we've got all these pharmaceuticals and medicine is so marvelous. How can we have 12 times as many of, of our children with autoimmune deficiencies at birth? What's going on there? Oh, and by the way, uh, if we just take men, which as I understand it, uh, still have something to do with the process of procreation. Um, if less, you go back... Less than you think. <laughs> just, you know, supposedly. Uh, if you go back to that same time period, let's say you go back 50 years, um, 
the the amount of uh, the sperm count is 60% lower today than it yeah. was then. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been hearing that I mean, quite a bit. This so, time. I mean, and, and people are thinking, it, it, the thoughts are going, well, gee, I wonder why that is. And what I said, look, start, start putting the dots together. Let, let's remember what I said. These people are, want to get the population of the planet down to 500 million. Uh, that's a reduction of 80%, okay? Well, gee, why in the world would you have um, the sperm count now, 60 years later, 50 years later, down 60%? That's a big deal. How come you've got 12 times as many children with autoimmune diseases? How come you've got a coronavirus that has now been proven that it was created by man? Of course, you'll never see that in the news. But the, that it's a man-made created uh, virus and that uh, and now you've got everybody vaccinated. Why would a guy who makes a whole bunch of money put his attention in vaccines? Not, not like the world has polio and you need a Jonas Salk. Uh, it's, maybe it's about control. And why would that same person be buying up all the farmland in America? And why did that same person many years ago create a seed vault where he took all the organic seeds and shoved them over in a vault in Norway in a block of ice? Uh, but but to bring up these questions and to bring up these thoughts and to ask people to say, just stop. You don't have to make a decision. You don't have to do anything. Get a good night's sleep, breathe, get enough oxygen, and just think a little bit. It, it's, it won't hurt you. I, I don't think it'll hurt you. Might <laughs> just because it's a foreign, it's a it's a new foreign thing that you probably people haven't been being done. Anyway, everything confirms that we're in the most dangerous time, and the most and the biggest danger about this danger, in my view, is not that that history says whenever it comes, the next major economic event will be a depression, uh, and as we've talked about before, when you have big cycles like that and things happen in threes on this planet, um, three of those cycles actually give you a revolution. And uh, the fact that half of America can't stand the other half uh, probably confirms that. And and as you look at these things, we've got, uh, we've got a whole lot of things to really uh, pay attention to. And, and what I find Kind of fascinating is nobody seems to be paying attention to virtually any of, of the things that are extremely important. Nobody's paying attention to the extremely important things. We don't even know who our own enemy is. So uh, if we're set up for something to happen, that's probably not good and kind of a surprise. It's right there. Um, anyway, uh, and, and the positive side of that, I think this all sets up something on a positive spiritual level where we're moving out of one extremely long cycle that's been going on for a long, long time. My my view and, and my prayer would be that we're going from a me generation where clearly at this stage of the cycle, it's me, me, me. Uh, not certainly not for all people, but for society as a whole, it's the me generation. What's in it for me, you know? Uh, let's hey, that's interesting, but let's talk about me. You know, that's what that's that's the picture of our generation now. And we've got to move into a we. Uh, we've been we've been separated by religion, by race, by all sorts of things, but we haven't done the separation. It's been done for us, 
and one of the vehicles has been the news media and the politics and the whole thing. It's the divide and conquer thing because that's what it's all about. These people are looking to take that final step where they finally control the entire planet. And they're, they're doing a good job. Uh, they're, they're making it happen. These people know how to execute. So uh, what I wanted to share with you, and I might have to jump off here pretty quickly, but I wanted to share some market tops and the picture, if you can see this, um, I'll try to move that just a little bit. Yeah, that maybe I better not press my luck. If you're talking about market tops, uh, the historical tops uh, over the last hundred years would be 1929, 1987, and 2000. Those are probably the key tops. This is a long-term top. This is a pretty long-term top. This is a quickie top, a flash crash. But are there any things in these type of markets that, um, that are similar? Well, 1929 is the key, and it's kind of the one that we're most like. That's that's the one that we really relate to. We certainly relate to, to 2000 because it's a 20-year cycle. It was an election year, things like that. And we certainly relate to 87 because of the type of buying that's gone on and so forth. But here's what happens. In 29, you had a consolidation. You had uh, a breakdown under that consolidation, which was a fake up because the market went up. And then that was a fake out because then it went down and retraced it all the way down to here. And that was a fake out. So this was a fake out move, fake out, fake out, fake out. And then you made a bottom and then you had that final thrust into this point here. Then you had a correction. And then you had, in just a matter of days, a quick move up and you topped. That was it. Then you began this initial decline at a 50% retracement, and then you went in this elongated decline into July of 1932. In 1987, consolidation, consolidation. Are we gonna break down? Nope, we're going up. Nope, we're going down. Nope, we're going up. Fake out move, launch, run up, hit this period here, have a little bit bigger correction. Uh-oh, we're going down. Nope, we're going up, and boom, there's your top. And you get this, you go back and forth, you come over here to October 2nd, and then you have a crash and you lose 41%. Here you lose 90%, but it's over here. Initially 50%, not here. This isn't a 50% move, but you, as a little bit later here, you, you see it. Here's 2000, kind of coming into <clears throat> current times and more current times. And let's see what happens. So you got a consolidation, you got a down move, got an up move, got a down move. So reversal, 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 the launch. You go through this period, you come all the way up to here. Oh my gosh, look at this. You're collapsing down. And, uh, but all of a sudden it turns around in a matter of a few days again. You're not only back up to here, but you have a little consolidation and then another two day move and boom, you've made your top. And then you go into this, this uh, elongated decline. Um, what's it look like now? Or what did it look like to get to where we are? Here's 29 compared with now, because this is supposed to be the comparison. Now we've had some changes this time 
um, you know, it's different this time. <laughs> um, but the changes are computers, algorithms, all sorts of changes. Both times always change, but yeah. the motivation, the motivation factors that that cause people to uh, make market moves don't change. And what happened here? You had a fairly clean market. Again, here's the consolidation. It's a pretty clean consolidation. You don't have a bunch of algorithms going on or other stuff. Uh, uh, do you have Robinhood traders? Uh, no, you didn't have them then, but you did have bucket shops where they give you a 10% loan when margin 50%, just like it is today. So um, you had those other things. This Here's this classic fake out move and here we have a pretty classic fake out move. We break down under this consolidation, then we run up again, then we come down, we get this launch. And boy, the launch here, if you notice on the current move, it's it's even stronger than the initial launch here. And then this one was pretty clean going up and clean coming down. Here we've got, you know, the pandemic going on and you know, all sorts of other things going on. So you get this initial move, but it consolidates. And we're, we're hanging against that line that I first showed here. We're kind of going up against that. But we, we move here, we get a correction, we move here. Now we get this move here. And we get this first correction down. Um, and then, boom, we're going up and we make, we make our high. Now this may not be the ultimate high, but we make this high, we correct, and now we're we're back down, and then today we're we're moving back up. So the big picture of this looks pretty much the same. You know, could this continue later in the year after a correction here, where you get up here and and create that type of a pattern? Uh, sure, it could, and I, I almost think that that's likely to happen, but. One thing we have to keep in mind is that this February top could very certainly be the top. Um, there's no question that, that could be the yeah. case. I mean, technically, fundamentally, I think actually technically we might still, we, we could have still had some room on the upside, but I don't know. We'll just have to see. You know, we're starting to get down into some serious numbers. Uh, on the daily S and P, I'm gonna let me just peek. I'm gonna peek at my chart for just one second. You don't have to. It won't change anything on your end. I'm just looking at my chart for a second. On the daily, as I discussed this morning, uh, price bounced up to the 50% Fibonacci price retracement of the last leg up. The low was put in on February 1st. The high was put in on February 16th. And so we've already pulled down through the 62% Feb retracement yesterday, and now today we've bounced up to the 50%. So coming down that 50% Feb's potential support, and of course, as we pull back up, that same Feb now is potentially resistance. And on the daily chart, our red and falling indicator is just right overhead. So I think we see another leg to the downside before we gain any real traction to the upside. And the 38% Feb retracement of this entire recovery leg on the daily chart, that number is 36.75. And that's an area. 
So just remember that, guys. Thirty. That's the 38% fit. Now, when we had that big swing low uh, back a few weeks ago, and we hit the bottom on February 1st, February 1st, the low price was 36.56.50. Now, at that time, that was not the 38% Fibonacci retracement. But that same area today is the 38% Fibonacci retracement of the entire move up. So do I think there's a very strong case for us to go to 36.75? That answer is absolutely yes. And when I take the charts back, I'll show you guys this. But go ahead, Garrett. I'm sorry, what were you saying now? Is that move from which, which low are you going from? Uh, now, I'm not looking at the cash index. I'm looking at the futures chart. But uh, the last leg up, I'm talking about the swing low that was put in on February 1st to the swing high that was put on the 16th, the day you were talking about earlier. We had a swing high price of 39.59 and a quarter. And on February 1st, we had a swing low of 36.56.50. And so the 50% Fibonacci retracement of that move is 38.10. The 62% Fib retracement is 37.75. But the big number, the one that I think we, because right now we're bouncing off the 24% Fib of the entire move up, which started back end of October, beginning of November. If we go back below the 24% Fib, then the 36% Fib is just screaming, come get me. And that's down around 30, it's that number 36.75. But we've still have 37.85. That's important support right now. And price is trading 38.11. So well, um, let me pull a chart over here just for fun. Um, if we're looking at the big picture. Now, guys, this is the cash index he has up. It's not the futures chart that we typically look at. It's important that you guys yeah. understand that because on the cash index chart, this thing stops moving at 4 p.m. Eastern when stocks stop trading. Whereas our futures charts trade around the clock. So you'll see gaps on a chart like this of the cash index because we know how far price can move overnight. I mean, let's face it, we put in the new all-time historic high in the S&P 500 E-mini futures on President's Day, a day Wall Street was closed. That's a huge talking point, but we'll save it for another show. What I wanted to just point out is that what we're, what we're talking about here, and you know, who knows when a, when a market's ultimately going to top, but, but we, this move what that time you're frame seeing... Are you on? Uh, monthly. Yeah, monthly, and that's, okay. that's 2009 low, and that's the last leg. We're in the last leg up. Is it over to the upside? I don't know, but what you're going to do is you're going to correct when this is over, and I I think it's going to be over this year, um, and there's a whole bunch of Fibonacci reasons for that, and it looks like it, but but again, bottom line is, you know, who the heck knows. But one of these days, it's going to be over. 1,500 has never been tested from above. Now, I'm not what, saying this market's going to crash to 1,500, but if you just go left there, you see that little, well, you see it on 2000. Was that oh, right here. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's 1,500. 
Now, that thing got tested a couple times from below. I don't know if you can scrunch your chart up a little bit, bring in some more candles. Oh. Yeah. Um, wait a second. My point is, is we, we ran up to... Uh, oh, hang on. Let me see. Okay, go ahead. Take your time. That's a lot of data. Okay. So see, guys, we came up and we tested 1,500 back in 2000. Okay. And then we came back and we tested again in 2007, 2008. And then on the next trip up, we flew right through it like it wasn't even there. So my, my thing is, is important prices, important areas are almost always tested. Now, I, I know it just seems unfair thinkable that this market could crash all the way back down to test that 1500 level then bounce and put together the monster of all rallies like we've never seen before it's it's not a it's an observation <laughs> that's what it is it's not a prediction okay I'm not predicting that's going to happen i'm just telling you that technically it is not only possible but I'm going to give it a potentially probable. Yeah, we've got we're we're in that time window now, um, where now the, the, I guess the big question is: is that if once we get the final fifth wave here, whether it's now or the end of the summer, after a correction here and one more move, whatever it is, that should end this thing, and we should go into the um, oh, interesting. That would be a, from here. That would be a seventy-eight percent Fib retracement. Right. If we go a little bit and, higher, uh, okay. No, no, that's that's yeah. I haven't looked at look, a monthly chart in a while. You're looking at a sixty-some percent correction down there. Yeah. Um, now, here's the thing, though. This is. Um, Hang on, let me just see. Hi, Dan. I'm on an interview right now. I'll call you back in a few minutes. Um, anyway, here's the thought, though. I mean, we've, we're, whether it's now or whether it's the summer, um, you know, could this, if it, if we do get a, a correction and we do get a, just an extremely overbought thing, we could go to 4,500, 4,800, whatever. I mean, if, if, uh, but but again, so then you move this up to there and look at your correction. But your minimum correction when this thing tops, that just that first leg down should be around the 382 level. That's, you know, that's a minimal Fibonacci correction. Um, and the higher this and, thing goes, the more people are going to be willing to bet against it failing. And so and what's as that short open interest starts to become obvious, I mean, it's it's like that cartoon of there's people uh, on a boat fishing. Everybody's on one side of the boat except one guy. One guy's on the other side of the boat fishing. They've all got their hooks in the water. And so the one guy, he catches a fish. And in the next frame, everybody's now <laughs> over on his side of the boat trying to catch a fish. And, and the boat is tilting almost to the point of capsizing. 
And well, so yeah, I said all that, you know, just to say that the more and more people develop more and more berries pr pretty soon, the nothing nefarious, just, you know, it, there's a, a scales in front of you, a balance, if you will. And, and pretty soon the, the bearish sentiment becomes so great that I think it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy to a degree. Dwayne, I'm going to have to bounce off here, right, but, but what, I, what I wanted to do quickly is Go this. Uh, the mentality now is, um, well, this market could get down to 3,700 and complete this correction. What did you say? 3,675? Uh, so yeah. Market could get down here, and then maybe that's exactly what'll happen, and then we'll go up into the summer and do something. But, the, but, but what I'm saying is that's 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 almost an extreme. Most people think, well, 3,700, it's just not going to get down there. Well, 3,700 is right here. That's nothing. I'm sure. Yeah. 3,700 is right here. You're right. Things, it's absolutely nothing. And that's pretty much the extent that everybody's giving it now. Jeremy Grantham is going to be talking in a Barron's roundtable, and what? And I think he's going to be bearish. But smart money, money that's been around for a while, is is going to get bearish. You know, and probably already has been doing a lot of this selling. But but the point is, this is pretty much the extent for most people. And the and if you really stretch that, you say. Some of the people say, okay, maybe it could get down to 3,600. But, boy, if it got down to 3,600, I mean, that's just insane to even think that, really. Here's 3,600 right where my line is. And you've also just got that whole psychological barrier at 4,000 kind of thing. You know, we experienced that at 3,000. Uh, 3,600. It's, right, it's right there on your chart. Uh, you know, at, at 3,000. Price had a hard time getting above it and sticking. The first time it got above it, it immediately crashed spectacularly all the way down to 2,300 or something. Well, here's my point, Dwayne. Uh, the, the, it's hard to get anybody to think under 3,700. And really, uh, 3,600 people say, yeah, that's just an aw awfully big correction. I don't think it's, and it's probably not impossible, but that's a, that's a you know. Our lowest uh, weekly zone this week was 36.57, so. Yeah, I'll give you 3,600 if that's what you want to think about. My point is, at some point, this market's going to top. Uh, uh, but, and when it does, yeah. your, your very initial correction, a la Fibonacci, isn't 3,700 or 3,600. Um, it, it's down here. Uh, at, uh, at, at 32, which is 26, it's 2,700, it's 1,000 points lower. Now that's 10,000 Dow points. For every point yeah. the S&P moves, the Dow moves 10 points. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not 100 S&P points, which is big, it's 1,000 of them down here below what people think is their low level right now. And that's only a 382. If yep. it's a 50% correction, yep. it's down here at 2,400. And that's just the beginning. <laughs> and, and and you're not, and when you correct this market, you aren't going to be doing your Fibonacci's from here because that's only 2009. You're going to have the biggest correction from not this bottom and not the bottom in 2000 and not the bottom in 87 and not the bottom in 70, 82 and not the bottom in 74. You're going to be doing it from the bottom in 1932.
And when you put a 382 correction on that one, mm -hmm. I'll let you figure it out. But if you're talking about the Dow Jones, let me give you that number. Your starting point is 41. 41. Mm -hmm. um, let me see if I can do this here. 4,100 times 38%. <clears throat> well, or no. Oh, no, no. 41 is your starting point, And you're going up to 31,000. Uh, you're you're almost thirty one thousand more than forty. <laughs> four zero, not four hundred. Here I'll show you. I'll show you. So you're doing the math. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's see what happens here. Let's put a hundred years in here. That'll cover us. Now we can go back. There it is. There's your bottom, right there. Mm -hmm. So let's see if I, I don't know if I can. Let's see if I can make this happen. I, th these aren't, they're, they're they're not made to do this uh, necessarily this way. But let's get an idea what that number might be. Now let's see if I can move over here without ruining things. If you just drag it off to the right side of the screen, it won't just follow you along. Oh, there you go. Okay, you got it. You got it. Well, here's your, uh, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't there's look my, right. There's my 15. Which, again, is not a prediction. <laughs> Just an observation. Important prices in important areas are almost always tested. And that number, which is obviously very important, uh, it was an all-time historic double top at the time. And, <laughs> and it's never been tested from above. Go ahead. Well, 20,000 um there so you're you've lost a third you lose a little bit more than a third to, for your initial correction so whatever thing you're dealing with it's it's one third 50 percent is down here uh and that's funny because that's where we started it's not so crazy because that's where we were in 2016. Mm -hmm. so 50 percent move is uh, is down there it's yeah. it's um yeah, it's it's a dramatic it's a dramatic move. So anyway, well with um, Hi, with that thing, thank you so much for um, letting me share some time with hey, you. We love having you anytime. And uh, everybody, I uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. All right, yeah, give me a call over and the weekend. We'll talk. I will. Yeah, we got to talk this weekend. I, okay. I, I was busy with all the other stuff, and we we're going to make that happen for sure. All right, brother. So, okay. Thanks. Take Thanks, care. Dwayne. Okay, okay. Everybody have a good weekend. Bye-bye. All right. So that trade, guys, that we were talking about earlier. Where'd it go? Here it is. Uh, the one we were talking about here on the show, the one that we posted this alert for. I think we typed it out on the air and talked you through it. Ah, this one, yes, the one we did during the show. <clears throat> Looks like right as Garrett was coming on. Yes. Anyway, to be long, 3804. Initial target, 3806. Second target, potential resistance, 3808. Next target, 3813. Final trade two target on a long, it's always the weekly zone overhead. Now, if you had somebody handing you those, around the clock all week long 
I mean, how long would it take to pay for a passport? I don't know, because you can't trade live until you put together 10 consecutive days in a row in the simulator. Not to prove anything to me, but to prove to yourself that you're actually learning how to trade, okay? And so you're operating a business now. You're not going to Vegas. You get up every day, you're going to work, okay? You're not going to win any money. You're going to earn your money. But before, you know, can't get the cart in front of the horse. That's awkward. You've got to put together those 10 days in a row in the simulator. Again, I'm not looking over your shoulder. If you fib about it, <laughs> see what I did? If you fib about it, then shame on you because the only person that hurts is you. So just don't, you know. Really make sure you understand strategy, okay? You're not going to learn everything you need to know right away, but there isn't that much to learn. We're, we work real hard to make it real simple. Trading's not easy, but it can be simple, okay? If you let it be. But you've got to put walls up. All these guys that are slinging all of this stuff at you day and night, you know, from the algos to the this, to the indicators, to the oscillators. It, it, you understand that it's a never-ending, you know, regurgitation of stuff. And sadly, it just doesn't teach how to trade. So our live one-on-one -on -one mentoring and our live group training every morning and the fact that we give you support 24-7, 365, around the clock all year <laughs> you didn't get it anyway i don't know it's kind of a no-brainer for me but i'm on this side of the fence you're you're on the other side you're still out there looking in you know why is this guy any different than a million other guys why is this group of people why are these hundreds of traders why why are they any different than oh wait i don't i don't know another group quite like that and i'm not bragging i'm not boasting I was never I was never clever enough to orchestrate all this. Now this is a gift. Okay? It's a job, it's a business. It's a place where you can learn how to run your trading business. Yeah. But there there was uh there was some grand design, some grand architect, uh far greater than me, uh that allowed all of this to become reality. But, but this is reality, you know. Here on the show, we said, here's the next obvious thing for the market to do. And that obvious thing was that if it made it to 3804, the next high probability move would be to 3806. And if it got there, the next high probability move would be here. And then the next high probability move would be to here. And then here. We've gone 10 points past that. Which, by the way, something else I teach you is an exit signal strategy using just the chart. So if you were of a mind to, if you don't have to get out at the final target, because remember, I don't know what's going to happen next. So there's no reason to get out of a perfectly good trade unless you just want to take profit, which is your choice. You can do that. It's your business. But this thing got has quite some ways to go before it prints an exit signal. An exit signal. Let's see if I see a decent one. Okay. 
I know that we had some trades to be short this area over here. Uh, no, where was it up? Maybe it was. Maybe it was here. Somewhere in here. I don't know. Let's call it here. Okay, price comes down. This first zone, you expect that to be good support, so you might just take your profit there. In fact, if this was an alert, that would be the weekly trading zone. That would be the final trade to target. Okay? If the entry was here, that would be the... But you don't... My point is you don't have to get out at the final target just because it's a final target because the chart's not telling you to get out. See this thing here? We call this the step line. Okay, you see how coming down here, it's on the left side of red and falling. Steps over, steps down, steps over, steps down. But then over here, it kind of just steps over, steps over. Yeah. So the step line has gone from the left side to the right side. Price itself is walking sideways. Okay. Now, it's easy to see that after the fact. Anybody can be a genius, right, with a historical chart. This is a live chart, but I've scrolled back a little bit. Okay. So it's easy to see this after the fact but if you're looking for it it's easy to see as it unfolds price starts to walk sideways okay you know these tops aren't perfectly aligned these bottoms aren't perfectly aligned but it's pretty easy to see price walking sideways now the real point is on a short trade okay now the alert said get out here final target because it's a zone but you said man price is so far to the left of red and falling why would I get out price is dropping okay so price goes down the step line crosses the first green candle right there the first green candle that closes above the step line after it crosses over the closing price of that candle 38.11.75 that would be the exit signal if you had been long from anywhere through here okay and you were just waiting for an exit signal okay you're in a nice trade it's moving down the first green candle that closes above the step line after it crosses over and so now, get that metal picture and look at where we are now. How much work is it going to take for blue and climbing to get way up here? Remember, all indicators lag. Anybody that tells you it doesn't, be careful. So remember, we want to see the step line cross blue and climbing okay and so off we go now you could take if, if you were in if you're still in this trade because you're already a member and you already know how to do this as we approach this weekly zone above 3846-47 I would tie my stop now important prices important areas are almost always tested but this thing has gotten stretched so far uh, hopefully all we would see up here is just some consolidation and then these will play catch up right 
and then you get your exit signal. But you can always get a violent turn, you know, like this. I mean, if you were short and you decided to stay in below this zone, figuring you'd trade it down to last week's zone, right? When you're when you're stepping into uncharted waters, you know, are approaching an important event, important price, important area. You know, there's nothing wrong with tightening up your stop. And then once you get through the rapids, you can open it back up to what it would typically be. And that's just and that's just one random idea for you. Okay. You have to take what we teach you and the indicators we give you. And at some point it becomes yours. It becomes your strategy. It becomes your methodology. It's how you see the market. It's how you think about the market. It's how you take action in the market. If it were easy, everybody would do it. No doubt about it. Not easy. We do what we can to make it simple. So we did the S&P, uh, the Dow, pretty much following suit. Because of the show, I just didn't have time to type in the alerts, but we were seeing the same results there. And on the Russell, Russell playing a little bit of catch-up, okay? If you long the Russell, hey, you've got potential resistance coming up at 2183.84. you got a zone overhead. How much time's left today? Still plenty of time. So you could trade from this high to this high. Uh, 2180 to 2183. That's a nice three-pointer. Okay. And all, all you're anticipating here, you're saying that the high probability is if we continue up and get up to, say, 2180 or 2179, then... I think it's a higher probability of it continuing to 2183.84 than to reverse and come back down. You know the whole once, uh, once something is put in motion, once an object is put in motion, it'll continue in that direction until it meets an opposing force. You know, one of those old guy quotes. But you see, we never buy limit, we never buy market. We always buy and sell on a stop. Now, I just posted this in the discussion group. People often say, hey, isn't there a problem that more people that understand your strategy than less likely that it's going to work? No, we, we're clever by design, the grace of God. No, because we buy and sell on a stop. You know, which, is, which has the, the greater, and I'm just pulling numbers out of the air, what has the greater potential to move the market? If 10 people buy at a certain price or if 1,000 people buy at a certain price? Because remember, we're buying on a stop, so our order's already in the market, and we're letting price rise up through our entry to jump us into the market. Boom. And the same thing on, on a short, if you're selling the market. Your order's sitting down there, and the weight of the market coming down through your entry price, that's what jumps you into the trade. So you're taking advantage of that upward or downward momentum to whatever degree it, that it exists. So... If you're dropping a 10-pound weight versus dropping a 
thousand pound weight, right? There's, there's just more force, more energy. So don't worry. The more people find out, the more people that learn to trade our strategy, our alerts, and and because of what we teach you, you'll learn to create the alerts yourself. You won't need me to create alerts. Lots of our traders, they just look at the market, they look at the chart, they understand what we've taught, they see the opportunity, they take the trade, they post the results uh, in the live uh, discussion group, which is open 24-7, 365. Uh, the NQ... Bearish cross, right there. Resistance. Resistance. We talked about that this morning, I think, in the live training room. Whenever a bearish or bullish cross leads to a substantial move, like this bearish cross led to a pretty substantial move, whereas uh, this one, no, not, not so much. Uh, and this see how this is clear and distinct price really moves away yeah so on a bearish cross like that it'll almost always when price revisits that area the crux of the apostrophe it will often be resistance and when price finds resistance that just means it's going to go look for support and when it finds support it's going to go look for resistance back and forth back and forth never-ending cycle until one of the two, either the support or the resistance, decides to move up a couple notches, or the support drops a couple notches. You know, support drops two points, and then resistance, you know, drops four. And then see back and forth, never ends. When you learn to see the rhythm of the market, when you can feel it, when just by looking at the chart and the indicators, you know with certainty what the next high probability move is. Now, did I say, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Now, this week, 96 alerts, 16 ever triggered, 80 actionable, okay? Now, same strategy, same everything on every alert. Now, this has 11% of actionable stopped out. A typical average number on any given week is 20% over the last 135 weeks. Okay. So when I say that you can know what will happen in the market next with certainty, if the alerts average 20% of them getting stopped out. And that means at least 20% of the time, the market does something other than the next high probability thing. And you and I have no power to control that. There, there's no algorithm that can crunch it. There's no indicator that can indicate it or oscillator that can oscillate it. That would require knowing the future, which goes against all those laws I talked about in the beginning. It's not possible. Okay? So, once you understand it is a business based on probabilities, not magic, it's a business based on probabilities, 
then you need a definable edge and then you need the patience and discipline to implement that edge and it helps if you have somebody to just teach you how to do it so if you have an interest in becoming a CFRN passport holder you want to be a part of the family uh, we would love to have you all you got to do is visit this web page here eminifuturestrading.com now we have to announce our coin of the week maybe I'll have a soundtrack uh, by next week now most of you who know about G999 also know about that scandalous scandalous world bets contest that turned out to be a complete and utter fraud it really really did and I'm trying to find it did they take it down or did they block me no here it is so all these people were coming here around the clock you know voting 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 G999 PWC I think EFIN was the other one I mean this thing was just spinning like a roulette wheel around the clock it was it was unbelievable turned out the whole thing was just a scheme to get you to look at some coin called NIMIQ here I got it somewhere yeah NIM I guess it's called on a daily chart Since the phony, this, they were announced the winner as having the most votes, but they had, they had 96 votes. G999 had, I don't know, hundreds of thousands. I think second and third place probably had 100,000 or more votes. And it was just a contest supposedly to show who, which cryptocurrency had the strongest community behind it. Well, G999 clearly, you know, won the contest because if you scroll through there I mean it's everywhere right and this it was to get people to get eyeballs and to promote a coin that has done this since being announced the fake winner of the fake contest so well I said that's not cool so we launched a little telegram channel called the CFRN Coin of the Week. Okay. So number of people have joined, not everybody's voting yet. Let me explain to you what it is. This group has been created to allow everyone to vote for their favorite cryptocurrency. This will be a fair, legitimate, and transparent contest. This group is not an endorsement of any cryptocurrency. No bots are allowed, no spamming. Trading is risky. This is not a recommendation to trade. This is contest. It simply helps viewers gauge which crypto has the strongest community behind it. The owner of this group does own G999 and a couple other coins, which I will disclose here. Okay. To vote for your favorite coin, use the same format as that fake contest. Simply hashtag followed by the symbol of your coin, like hashtag BTC, hashtag LTC. ETH, whatever you want to vote for. 
We'll announce the weekly winner every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on this program. Voting will cease each Friday at 12 noon to give admins time to tally and validate the number of votes. Once the weekly winner is announced at 1 p.m. Eastern, voting will resume for the following week. The best crypto is the coin with the strongest community. Make the best coin win. So again, I'll disclose whatever coins I hold. Uh, and the post pin at the top of this group will be updated. Yeah, I will also refrain from personally voting just to make it fair. Now, we said we would publish the results each week. So it's pretty simple this week because I just created the channel a couple days ago. So, and right now the other communities aren't even aware that we have the contest. So we got to get some awareness over to the folks at PwC and EFIN. I mean, they gave G999 a real run for the money. And this is going to be transparent, legitimate, and honest, and the results are whatever they are. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There you have it. And this is what's happened to that other company from the fake contest. So encourage you to participate in Telegram. All you got to do is search for CFRN Coin of the Week. Jump right in, cast a vote. You know, I'm amazed the the scammy thing, right? The fake contest. I, I know what it is. People feel duped. They're ashamed and they're embarrassed because they showed their friends, they showed their family. They said, hey man, check this, look at this thing. Oh, it's going to the moon, it's going to the moon. We're gonna win this contest. I don't know, our coin's gonna be worth $10. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen, right? Didn't. And so people feel like, oh, you know, you know, fool me once, shame on me. I'm not going to get fooled again. Well, you know, it is what it is. It's a, it's a legitimate, honest contest competition. And apparently that's what the other one was supposed to be. Except the winner they chose and announced got, I didn't count them personally. I was told 98 votes. While the others got hundreds of thousands. So, CFRN, coin of the week in Telegram. Go there, vote. Tell people, tell people who have other coins. I mean, it would really be nice to know which crypto does have the strongest community behind it. Because I would like to have a piece of that. And now, I know, you know, BTC, of course, would always top the list. But what about those hidden gems out there? What about the ones that are still at a penny, at a nickel? It's speculative. Yes, it's high risk. Yes. But we've seen plenty of coins go from five cents to five dollars to fifty dollars. It happens. Okay. So, with that said, I believe we're going to call it a week. Let's go to our good word for the day. It's been a long show. Yesterday we talked about being creative, part one. Today, part two. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Philippians 2.3 You will only have good ideas if you value ideas. Otherwise, you'll drift through life living off other people's ideas. 
Now, this subject is about being creative. So, let's talk about creative thinkers. They explore every option. Exploring a multitude of possibilities helps to stimulate your imagination, and imagination is crucial to creativity. Albert Einstein said, Imagination is more important than knowledge. Why? Because it looks for new ways to put your knowledge to work. Number two, embrace ambiguity. Creative people don't feel the need to stamp out uncertainty. They see all kinds of inconsistencies and gaps in life, and they take delight in exploring those gaps or using their imagination to fill them in. When you find an unmet need, you can either conclude that nothing can be done about it or pray and look for a way to meet that need. See Philippians 4.19 about that. Celebrate the offbeat. Creativity explores off the beaten path. Kingman Brewster Jr., former president of Yale University, said there's a correlation between the creative and the screwball. So we must suffer the screwball gladly. To foster creativity, you must be willing to tolerate originality and oddity. Number four, creative thinkers are not afraid of failure. American philosopher Charles Franken said, anxiety is the essential condition of intellectual and artistic creation. Creativity requires a willingness to look stupid. It means going out on a limb knowing that limbs often break. Creative people know these things and still keep searching for new ideas. They refuse to let the ideas that don't work prevent them from coming up with new ones that do. And that's our good word for the day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whoever you are, wherever you are, may God continue to richly bless you with his mercy and with his grace. And I'll see you at the bell. Remember this, there is no greater return on investment than to see a human life changed and given hope. As always, pray hard and trade safe. Any financial information discussed on this show is simply the opinion of our host, Dwayne Reeves, his co-hosts, and guests. To learn more about trading e-mini futures or to take a one-week free trial in our live trading room, call 1-866-928-3310. 866-928-3310. Information discussed on this radio program should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any security. 
Always do your own due diligence and consult with a licensed securities broker or financial planner before making any investment decision.